Morning. I'm Anita Horgoth. Buck melanoma. Molly Russell's wart. Not her wart. Not her wart. I'm I'm the wart. She's my tumor. My my growth. My uh, my pimple. I'm Uncle Wart. Just old Buck Wart Russell. That's what they call me. Or uh, melanoma head. They'll call me that. Melanoma head's coming. Uh, uncle. Maisie Russell's uncle. I'm her uncle. <laughs> her uh, her mother uh, set up this conference with you. I'm assistant principal here, as you've probably noticed from the indications on the door. I've been an educator for 31.3 years, and in that time, I've seen a lot of bad eggs. I say eggs because at the elementary level, we are not dealing with fully developed individuals. I see a bad egg when I look at your niece. She is a twiddler, a dreamer, a silly heart. She is a jabber box. And frankly, I don't think she takes a thing in her life or her career as a student seriously. She's only six. That is not a valid excuse. I hear that every day and I dismiss it. I don't think I want to know a six-year-old who isn't a dreamer or a silly heart. And I sure don't want to know one who takes their student career seriously. I don't have a college degree. I don't even have a job. But I know a good kid when I see one. Because they're all good kids. Until dried out, brain-dead skags like you drag them down and convince them they're no good. You so much as scowl at my niece or any other kid in this school and I hear about it, I'm coming looking for you. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rap gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, madam. Seven minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of October in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. Uh, we are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The Talker, this, my friends, is the Rick Emerson radio program. Thank you for joining us today. It is Wednesday and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Hear this? Right there? What that is? It's the new Guns N' Roses single. Right there. Holding it in my hands. I cannot believe the day has come. Speaking through it right now. The only thing keeping my voice from attaining full volume is the mighty power of rock. Right here. In the form of the new Guns N' Roses single. We'll play that uh, maybe this hour. We'll try to get it. I haven't heard it. I don't know anything about it. I, I haven't... I, I, I've heard sort of mixed reviews, little people talking about it in the hallway, little bits and pieces of conversation. I don't know any more than that. So we're all going to be experiencing this together. So we'll play that this hour. Uh, it's just, and by the way, I guess the single is just actually called Chinese Democracy from the allegedly forthcoming album of the same name. So, all right, I'll leave it when I see it. So I got the single in my hand. So we'll play that this hour. All right. Uh, anyway, it's 503 733 2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503 
733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, observations, ruminations, ponderings, limericks, musings, whatever it is you have today. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, and the absurd. It's uh, 503 503- 733-2970. Want to join us uh, via email? You can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. What's coming up today? Well, let me just say this. That's my ballot. So ballot in one hand, rock in the other. My ballot arrived yesterday. So I opened it and sort of looked through it. And, you know, it's this, as it always is, there's about... I don't know, three things that I really understand or care about, and then there's a bunch of gibberish. I will tell you this right now, and I don't mind saying this. Let me see, what page of the ballot is this on? This is on the back, I guess. Hold on. There we go. No, it's on the front. Uh, County Sheriff. I don't know anything about this race. I don't know anything about anybody who's running. I am voting for the guy named Muhammad. I don't care. Don't, I, I know less than nothing about him. I just like the idea of a sheriff named Muhammad. Muhammad Ra'uf. I did guys that have apostrophes right in the middle of their name for no reason. Anyway, so uh, he's got my vote. You should vote for him as well. I'm urging you. I'm throwing my whole weight and support behind Muhammad Raouf. You know, just so you know, in case anybody should ask. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us today to talk about uh, the general election, which draws ever nearer. We'll talk to scene radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum as well and Jim Roop, because I guess they're going to be doing some drive-through voting thing in L.A. Yes. We just like go up to the county office and like pop, 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 press in your whatever and then you're done. That'd be great. Wait, am I strangely? Is there another mic on somewhere? Just me. All right, Tim is. Oh, uh, Tim is. Wow, you're Tim's, really clear today. I have a new processor. Not okay. put it in. I was going to say, and it's actually causing a little bit of echo because it's so. I was going to say Tim is too hot. Of course not. Well, that's, but of course, that's every day. No such thing as Tim being too hot. I mean, to perish the thought from your brain. Um, you have new processing? Did they tweak your... He put in a new black box. All right. Yeah, we might want to pot him down a little bit, because I can actually... Oh, he's hear... already halfway of what he usually is. Because it's, uh, yeah, it's causing a little bit of hollowness on my microphone here. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. Uh, in any event, Cena Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us today. Steve Kastenbaum from New York. James Roop from Los Angeles. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com uh, are going to be on the phone with us today. Oregonian TV critic and General Curmudgeon uh, will join us at uh, Peter Carlin will join us at 145. We'll talk about The Shield last night, which was unbelievable, by the way. More on that in a second. We'll talk about The Shield. We'll talk uh, a little bit about Mad Men. We're trying to establish this timeline to figure out when everything on Mad Men is taking place. And nobody I, can agree. No, nobody can agree, and maybe that's the point. I'm, I mean, I'm sort of thinking that only Matthew Weiner really knows what's going on. That He's the only guy that kind of has the spidey sense for where the show is going. So we'll talk to Peter Carlin about that. Uh, what else? Uh, we'll play the new GNR, a Chinese Democracy, today. We'll do more of our exit polling because the ballots came out. Uh, you got yours two days ago, Monday? Yes. Yeah, so I got mine last night. Uh, so I'm going to fill mine out today, probably during the program. You know, it's going to be like a little microcosm of democracy. It's going to be like our own little Just electoral... Like it's Exactly, Tim. But with less fashionable uh, outerwear. So it's going to be like our own little electoral college here. Uh, I'm going to go fill out my ballot, and I think we'll just have the people call up and weigh in on you know, how I should vote, and then I will vote accordingly. So I will be sort of like the elector, and they will be the electorate, or whatever it is, whatever those, you know, whatever that thing is. So we'll do that. We'll do more exit polling today, though, uh, because folks are filling out the ballots, dropping in the mail, so we'll take the cultural pulse on that. Taser watch coming up today, bush watch, and I think a double Palin watch 
Because the last few days, man, she's oh, on have, fire. We have like a, a triple. Excellent. And do you have that audio, that insane thing she said I about did. the vice president? Now I can't hear anything. What happened to all my compression? I can hear you. I can barely hear myself. All right. Well, Matt's tweaking with it. Maybe it's my it's, hearing. It's, he's adjusting. No, perish the thought, Tim. That's a... <sighs> He's uh, working on the processing as we speak. Tim Riley working on the following stories as we speak for your edification. Oregon gets a new area code. A reward is offered after somebody lets loose 1,000 mink at a mink farm in Astoria. Bob Hope's 99-year-old wife is hospitalized. Sarah Palin gives the wrong answers to her child who asks, what does the vice president do? She continues to tear into the socialist Obama. The RNC spends $150,000 to clothe her so she can impress small-town America. It's also been found that, well, apparently Alaska paid for her kids' traveling expenses when it was illegal to do so. John McCain assures Pennsylvanians they're not rednecks and asks New Hampshire voters for one more chance. A protester tries to handcuff Carl Rove. Two planes collide in midair over Colorado. They land safely and nobody is hurt. Imagine that. A TV remote control causes a house to explode. <laughs> What's this right next to the mute button? <laughs> Lamont, I told you not to press the explode button. Damn it. All right. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you today? Hello. All right. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am fantastic. How about you, champ? Are you I, doing all right? I'm wonderful. Do I not seem all right? You seem just fine. Oh, I'm fine. It was a bit of a late night last night. We had this whole... I'll just say it so I can get out of the way. So we had this, we had this uh, dog incident last I night. I knew it was going to be a dog incident. Uh, I had a feeling. That's nah, the whole thing. So, what happened? Um, well, there's, did I tell the story last week about Max getting bitten by another dog? Did I tell the story? No. Um, so we didn't think it was anything serious at the time. Now, I, let me just be very clear about this. It, it was almost entirely Max's fault, as things always are. Because he, like a lot of dogs, he's a you know the, the poodle slash lhasa or whatever. He's not big. He weighs, I think, 16 pounds. Yeah, I mean, he's so just like cute. a little ball of Kleenex with an unfinished nose. Yeah, his nose, he, he, he really is like the least threatening dog on planet Earth. But he has this thing like a lot of small dogs. Tim, would you agree that the bigger a dog is, the less it is aware of its own size? In other words, it's always small dogs that feel like they got to assert themselves, in my experience. Yes. And so I don't know why that is. But you get a dog that's 10 pounds, and I think it's going to be, I mean, it probably can't do twice the damage unless it just gets its jaws around your jugular. But a dog that's 10 pounds or 15 pounds, you're going to be way more aggressive a lot of times than a dog that's like... We went to that doggy palooza thing, because I'm lame, on Sunday. And there was, um... What are those? The Irish wolfhounds? Or whatever? I mean, it looks like... Dude, Irish wolfhound is the weirdest looking dog I've ever seen in my life. It's like some weird Lord of the Rings dog. It looks dog. like a dog from Mars. It does. I mean, it's like... It looks like a ring wraith or something. It's like on four legs. You keep expecting it to, you know, like... Woof, woof, where is the ring? Woof, woof. I mean, Freaky man, like if their eyes had just started glowing yellow, and they had, and the, and the, the the howls of hell had emanated from their throats, it wouldn't have surprised me at all. But they were completely mellow. You know, meanwhile, dogs are like twelve pounds and dyed pink, and they're just going berserk like they run the place. So Max has got all this, um, you know, he's got all this small dog syndrome, and there is this Rottweiler that lives up the street from us. Now the Rottweiler is ill-behaved, ill-mannered. In my opinion, they don't. They don't really make the dog behave well at all. But that being said, the dog was behind a fence. The dog was behind an iron fence. You know, like it wasn't a slatted fence. It was a fence with iron bars. And so we have this dog walker come by, and she takes Max out for a walk during the middle of the day. And she didn't really know the Rottweiler was up the street because he's not out there most of the time. Anyway, long story short, she's walking the dog, uh, walking Max. Max 
walks by the yard. The Rottweiler's there, and, of course, and minding his own business, Max immediately goes crazy and feels like he needs to demonstrate his, like, machismo to the Rottweiler, which weighs like a 1,000 pounds. I mean, the dog's like nine feet tall. So Max goes crazy, starts barking, and then before the dog walker can really do anything about it, Max lunges toward the fence, sticks his snout through the gate, and is barking at the Rottweiler, and the Rottweiler just goes crunk and bites on Max's nose. And at the time, it seemed really minor. He got a little, little tiny cut on his nose. He had a little, minor, a little minor nick on his nose. And we figured that was it. We didn't think there was anything else. So that's last week. So the past two days, Max is making all these like weird... Uh, he has this kind of wet snuffling thing. And I thought he had a cold or, you know, whatever. And then he's... Uh, kind of gross. But it, so he sneezes, and he starts like sneezing blood. Oh. This is while I'm at work. And Lara, you know, he goes... Chuh! And it looks down, it's just like this red spray. And I was like, oh, F this, we're going to the vet. It's a respiratory infection. Well, we go to the vet, and anyway, so the, the long and the short of it is they have to sedate him. And it's a whole, you know, and so Lars freaking out because, you know, the, the dog trauma. So they have to give him anesthetic. They have to put him under. They have to do this thing where they jam some camera thing into his nose to figure out what the hell is up. Anyway, the, so what it turned out that when the dog bit him, Max had his mouth open like in mid-bark. And so when the dog bit him, the dog just bit around his top jaw, if that, if that makes sense. And one of the dogs, one of the Rottweiler's bottom teeth, like, uh, like uh, went through uh, the roof of oh. Max's mouth. And it was so far back you couldn't see it, which is why we never noticed it. And it, like, messed up his gum line and everything. Anyway, so... So it last night, the roof of his mouth. It sucks, which is why he has the whole nasal issue, and maybe has been has some like a lung thing because he's got like a blood deal going on. Anyway, so, uh, so last night, the poor dog. So they have to, I mean, it's his own fault, but they end up having to pull two of his teeth because his gum line got all messed up. So they have to pull two of his teeth, and they have to give him something to stop the bleeding, and he's on antibiotics, and he's all sedated. So I go and I pick him up last night, and it was just one of those one of those things where he's like, uh, when the dog looks at you, and goes like, I've had the worst day. I don't know what I did wrong, but this is this day has sucked. And he's all drunk on sedatives, and he's wobbling around, and he can't stand up. And our new dog, Philo, is trying to play with him, and Max can't even work up the energy to be irritated. He's just kind of going, and it's falling back asleep. So just a whole, So that was my night last night. And, you know, and it gets up, I'm, not, I'm not comparing dogs to kids, but I'm just saying it's, it's stressed out, you know. You go to the well, vet. you're not having kids, your dog is your kid, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, you, know you don't want to... You don't want to see anything bad happen, and I have and I have to say this too, because we go to a veterinary clinic uh, in Southeast, and you know it's a great place. Uh, I would say small practice, but a very I would say a very uh, um, you know, they have a real personal touch to them because it's not like a huge place. But so we go in, and it's not a very big building, and they go, okay, uh, Max is going to come out of sedation here in a minute, and the tech is uh, you know going to answer any questions you have about the medication, and uh, here you go. Here's an antibiotic, and then he'll need to take this. It's a pain reliever, and that's going to be uh, $8,400, so uh, we'll take Visa, you know, and so I'm paying it. So I go into the room to meet with the tech, and then, of course, it sucks because it's, you know, because had I've had the, you know, a couple of hedgehogs in my life. And the room they take me into is like like the same room where I you know where you where the room where you go to make the, the hard decision about your pet, you know the the soothing room where when you may, must make a difficult choice they take you into the it's room that's very sterile. Yeah, the room and the room that's like painted a soothing color of violet, you know, so you can go there. And go well, I guess we'll just have to unplug the hedgehog's life support. So I'm sitting there in the room just getting all sad thinking about my hedgehog, and then they bring in Max, and he just looks like he's just been been beaten with the fatigue stick all day. So oh, and then. In the waiting room, I'm standing there and I'm paying for whatever. They give me the meds, and then from the corner of the waiting room at the vet, I hear this. Best show ever. 
And I look over, and uh, listeners, uh, let's see, what are their names? Listeners Narayan and Candace were there with their dog, Nikki. Nikki, who is epileptic and has to be given medication twice a day, or I guess she just gets her twitch on. So, uh, anyway, so hello to uh, Narayan and Candace and your epileptic dog, Nikki. I just got an estimate for a tooth cleaning for McGee, and it's going to be over $500. Yeah. Well, Max has, Max has two fewer teeth to clean now. Well, I'm, that's true. He went in with, like, 50 or whatever, and he came out with 48. Uh, anywho, so that was my night. So if I seem, I mean, I think I'm fine today, but if I seem a little frazzled, it's just because it was a bit of a stressful night and I was kind of up late. Dogs do that to you. Well, I'm trying to get him to take them. And, of course, he can't eat, right? That's the thing. For like, Because he had teeth removed. So, like, for the first day, 24 hours, he can't eat anything. So you're trying to get him to take this pill when you can't disguise it. And normally, if you wanted to get a dog to take a pill and you can't put it in food, what do you do? You just pry open his mouth and jam it in. You're like, you're going to eat it, pal. Yeah, you put it in a hot dog. But, of course, but see, he can't eat. Oh. And I can't just pry open his mouth and stick it in because he just had all these teeth pulled. Oh, and he has a big hole in the roof of his mouth. Oh. So I'm trying to get him to take a pill when his mouth's all effed up. And, by the way, he can't eat anything. So that was a lot of fun. Jesus. And then I watched the most stressful episode of The Wire, or The, uh, wire, the, the, the Shield, rather, that, is, that I think has aired on that show in, like, five years. God damn. I think I have an elevated blood pressure level because of last night's episode of The Shield. So we'll talk about that here in a few. But how was your night, Sarah? Oh, it was good. I hung out with some friends and, yeah, um, it was pretty mellow. Nothing too exciting. All right, then no okay. maimings at your house? No maimings at my house. No no punctured, you know, top jaws. And yeah. Freaky. Yeah. I mean, and then you get all that residual, um, you know, that retroactive guilt. Because it must have happened when the dog bit him last week. So he's been walking around with a hole in his mouth for like oh. a week. And no one knew. You know, and he would occasionally look up and go, So, uh... Anyone going to take care of me? Yeah, you going to look at this? Or, uh... You know, I mean, I guess I could just live with it. But, uh... Yeah, I'm leaking. Yeah, if you could do something about that. Meanwhile, I'm like, get away from me. I'm watching Anderson Cooper. Oh. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. We've got a couple small news stories to do here at the top. Uh, we'll talk briefly about last night's episode of The Shield. We'll do more on that later with Peter Carlin, who will be joining us today at 145. Don't forget, we got the new Guns N' Roses single we're going to play today, and so forth. Hi, you're on The Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I just had uh, three things. Yes. First of all, what was the... Is movie? the final thing that you're going to hang up? Just tell me now. Uh, no. Okay, go ahead. Uh, first thing, what was the movie quote from Monday? It sounded like Jason Alexander. Uh, it was Jason Alexander as the voice of Duckman. Uh, he was the title character in the animated series Duckman, which ran for four seasons on USA, uh, starting in, I think, 96 and going to 2000. I might be wrong about I mean, that, yesterday though. was Singles, right? Yesterday was, was Singles. Buck? Yeah, today was Uncle Buck, yesterday Singles. Monday was Duckman, starring Jason Alexander. Really one of the finest and most overlooked animated series of all time. The clip we played was a little manic, but it's a great show. Just came out on DVD the first uh, two seasons. you got to pick that up. All right. Uh, second thing, you're asking for input on your voting. Yes, sir. Vote for Michael Marsh for state treasury because he is crazy. Now, when you this is your assessment, by the way. The Rick Emerson show is we are simply a conduit for your observation. We're not saying that he's crazy. Why are you saying he's crazy? Um, he well, if you look at the the photo of him in your voter pamphlet, you got crazy eyes. <laughs> well, okay. He's running for the the Constitutional Party, which is fine by me. But the key phrase in his little paragraph about himself uh -huh. is "slave to our government masters." Is that his occupation? No, his occupation is janitor, but he writes it down as maintenance. Okay, but what, in what context does he use the phrase slave to our government masters? He says uh, we should no longer be slaves to our government masters. Well, who can disagree with that? All right, what's his name? Michael Marsh. He's got my vote. All right, there you go. All right, thank you, sir. Did you have a third thing? Uh, yes. 
future self, the past self, put everything on a holy trouble in the fourth race. Bye. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. What's up, Rick? Hey. Yeah, I was just talking about little dogs. Man, my dog, he's a, a five-pound Pomeranian. Uh-huh. And his name's Thor. Of course it is. Does he have a big spiked collar that he wears? No. Right. But he's black and white. And he just, the same thing as your dog does, he barks at all the bigger dogs and everything else. I, and I don't know whether it's some sort of, a, they feel like they got to compensate to try to hold their ground, their territory or something. I guess. Yeah. I mean, you get a smaller dog, Max is fine. Uh, you know, you bring out some Great Dane that weighs, you know, 500 pounds, Max is all, all up, all up on him like he's, like he's going to start something. Richie feeling okay today? Um, well... I don't really know. I mean, he's usually hung over, uh, currently detoxing from tobacco, always teetering between uh, the poles of uh, his rather complicated sexuality, and I think probably 10% crazy all the time. So when it's a I relative called, statement. When I called, he started to talk about eating dogs. Well, what? that's what he does. Yeah, uh, Richie was uh, Richie was making something. Kristen Bowie brought her dog Chim Chim to work the other day, and the dog ran away from. This is, by the way, I'm just saying what Richie said. The dog ran away from Richie, and Richie just said he put on that the voice he does when he's imitating his mom, and he goes, "This is Richie saying this." Richie's Asian, by the way. He can say these things. The dog runs away from Richie, and Richie just goes, "You know my family eat dog." <laughs> so there you go. There you go, sir. Right. Thank you. Nope. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. The Shield last night. God, what an episode. I mean, I will say this. I, I, I've I've been a little iffy on this season. Um, yeah, the Shield is, is still really, really great. I felt like, I still kind of feel like they've run the whole thing one season too long. I feel like you could go back and remove a whole season's worth of episodes and tighten the whole thing down by one year and make it better. The, the first the first half of this season was a little, a little, yeah. you know, they lost the thread, but I'll tell you. If, if oh, the whole reason for this season's first six episodes was to get us to last night, then oh, all man. is forgiven. Now I'm wondering, you know, I always thought Mackie was going to go out and, and, and be killed. I think he's going to prison. Yeah. I think he's, he's going to end up going to jail. And I'll say this. Anybody who doesn't want to know about last night's uh, shield, you know, you just you got to turn down the radio because we're going to have to talk about it. Peter Carlin's going to come on later. They got last night, and then there's five more. So yeah. five more episodes. That moment last night when... Ronnie is watching Shane watch Vic and Dutch interrogate that guy. Yeah. And oh, and Shane yeah. is doing that finger across the throat like shut yeah. up, shut up, and Ronnie shut notices up, up, it. And Ronnie suddenly realizes like this is it. Shane is the guy that tried to have me killed. That yeah. moment and then as soon as the guy said, What if somebody forces you to do it? And you Yeah. And that cop Shane. Oh, oh God, my I get God. I get man, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. And I gotta oh. tell you, I did not see Vic resigning at the end of the episode. That caught me off guard. I didn't oh, see that coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, because now he's totally, now he's totally rogue. He's, I mean, he's, he's just like the people he arrests. And he I was mean, a he's... cop without many restraints to begin with. I mean, he's yeah. a cop who just routinely beat people and planted evidence and has killed a guy. But now he's not even a cop. He has no constraints no on him whatsoever. Nothing. And he's oh. going to go totally crazy. And his, and his wife, I mean, Shane's wife telling his wife that, hey, this is what they did. Yeah. And He's got nothing. He's got no job. He's got no family. He's got nothing. So he's got to go all the place of glory. It's five episodes left. I don't know how they're possibly going to wrap everything up. And uh, as Peter Carlin noted, they haven't touched on Vic killing Terry Crowley for a long time, but it's in that previously on the Shield thing. And last night when Mara comes to Corinne's door and she just says, Vic killed Terry Crowley. And I was like, oh, God. All right, here, here, oh, here we go. Oh, I know. I know. And, I know. and the whole thing at this point, it's like one big greased hell train with no brakes. I mean, there's just no stopping it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. You can't, there's no turning back from this point. I, I, 
And you know that bastard Peter Carlin has seen all but the final two episodes. So, all right. Some people are so lucky. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, There'll come more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, good morning. What's up? I get uh, yesterday or or Monday. I got my ballot. Yes. And in the mail also, I got a letter from the Secretary of State's office saying that uh, they noticed that my signature had changed from when I voted in the primary. Uh huh. And so I'm looking through all the paperwork, and I'm thinking, I've been voting all these years. I didn't think my, my signature had changed that much. So they sent me a photocopy of when I registered to vote in 1986 and said that my signature had changed. And I looked at it, and it was like, yeah, 22 years. Yeah, my signature's changed a little bit. It's kind of weird that they keep all that stuff on file. Well, but I've been voting every other year or every other election. It's like, why didn't you catch this in 1992? I don't or know. Of course I've changed. It is worth noting. Well, I think there's two different things going on right now. One is there's this big push by certain political entities and parties to try to get a lot of people disqualified, especially if they're in districts or if they're uh, perceived to be the kind of voter that's not going to be with you. You know, there's talk oh, of trying to get people purged. I am a D. I well, am a D. So, so there's that, but on the other hand, it, there's been a lot of dispute and debate and controversy this year about people who are voting who are not who are not shouldn't be allowed to vote, and you know they're they're felons, or they're registered as Mickey Mouse, or they're there's that story in Drudge where yeah. some goldfish got a you know yeah. voter registration card in the mail, which is great. Uh, in Illinois, there was like, dear Twinkles, please please fill out and return. Um, so I think they're trying to make sure that there's not going to be any challenge of anybody who's a voter. So they, I think they're trying to tighten everything up this year. That would be my guess on that. All right, then. All right. I, I won't I won't take it personally. Don't take it personally, sir. Thank you. All right. It's all about, uh, you know, being a slave to your governmental masters. You know what I mean? And are you with me? Always. All right. Sarah, did you get your ballot? I did indeed. All right. So but we'll, I haven't filled it out yet. No, we'll go through mine. And you know what? The ballot, I hadn't even, I didn't have that ballot open 60 seconds last night. Lauren and I got in a fight about something. So you know it's going to be a good election year. Don't forget, less than two weeks away, uh, the Rick Emerson Show's political party happening Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl in conjunction with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project, also made possible by our fine sponsors, Taboo Adult Video, and Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. I'm so excited. That's going to be a fun, well, fun and stressful, righteous. horrible night. Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be great regardless. I mean, it really is a Super Bowl, World Cup, World Series, uh, High Alive Championship. It is. This is our Super Bowl. It really is, man. The best night ever. So that is uh, Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Uh, for our political party. More details to come. Stay there. Back after this with Lisa Desjardins. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I don't really know anything about her, but doesn't Amanda Fritz just sound like somebody who's a nutcase? I remember her when I did uh, Canada's Gone Wild. And yes, I think she, like, I think she sang that Natasha Bedingfield song at Canada's Gone Wild. Let's just, we'll just speak together with Adelta. Is she crazy? I think so. I mean, that's almost enough to get me to vote for her. I'll vote for anybody if they're crazy enough, because that just guarantees me material. You know, that, you know what it is? That's voting for grist. Is what that is. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello. How are you today? Hey. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, we are uh, doing splendidly. How's your life? Wow. Um, utterly without complaint. Now, well, that's a lie, but I appreciate the, your effort at glossing over whatever difficulties you may be facing on a daily basis. I'm, I, you know, at this 
moment, at this moment, I can't think of a complaint. I'm in another hour, probably. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll follow up. Okay. Uh, Me too. All right. Uh, so we are now uh, what? Thirteen days away. I can never tell whether you add that one day or not. Date, right, right. Yeah. Thirteen days is it until election day? I'm, yeah. I may have asked you this the other. Is it election day. I don't know. I, I may have asked you this uh, the other day, and, and maybe you answered. Maybe, maybe, maybe I just hallucinated the whole thing. But we were watching uh, CNN last night, as we always do. And first of all, look, I, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but it, do you suppose that CNN, they bid to get the services of Pat Buchanan, but it's like he wasn't available, and so there's some sort of booby prize, they got Bay Buchanan. <laughs> I mean, Bay Buchanan is sort of like getting, um, it's like the Stephen Baldwin thing, you know what I mean? We're like, hey, I, I really would like, uh, I really like Martin Sheen uh, to be in my movie, and they go, look, we don't have Martin Sheen, but how would you feel about Joe Estevez, you know, and that's kind of what Babe Buchanan is. I mean, it, 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 well, except except she probably uh, hits your your theory more. I think she she is more likely to say out of the box things than uh, than Pat Buchanan even now. I, I really think in so. what in what sense? Well, I mean, you know, I, I assume you're talking about last night on Anderson Cooper. Yeah, yeah, you know, where she she just came out. You know, even Sarah Palin and John McCain. They want people to say what she said, but they're not going to do it. Oh, yeah. when she just said Barack Obama, he's a socialist. A socialist. The best part was when Gergen could, couldn't even hold it together any longer, and he just and that's a guy who tries very hard yes. to be reasoned and very moderate and just to give the objective analysis and overview. Gergen couldn't even hold it together; he just started laughing, uh, flat out yeah, guffawing. He took his hands and kind of said, kind of that oh pshaw, like, yeah. But yeah, here's here's that bite. Barack Obama is a socialist. Yeah, and it, it, went, it, went on, it went on for a while. That's wonderful. I may have to use that as sort of like one of my, one of my alarms on my computer. Like a ringtone or something? Yeah, like a ringtone. Uh, <laughs> exactly. All right. But, yeah, you know, but I mean, she what's happening, the socialism thing is is the, the McCain-Palin uh, camp is not backing off at all. They are going to keep bringing this up, and you're hearing conservatives like Babe Buchanan uh-huh. uh, make this now a serious debate. Now, you know, it, I don't like ever refuting someone uh, who is political, but, but Barack Obama is not a socialist unless he's lying, you know, unless, unless it's secret. Now, uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, and yeah. I'm not a I'm not a learned man, Lisa. Right. Uh, oh, <laughs> so you, you you know you know way more about this stuff than I do. But mm. socialism socialism is just sort of a collective ownership rooted in governmental control, or is it not? Isn't that the general? Government owns some of the main parts of the economy. It's it's on the way to communism. It's not communism yet. It's sort of like this uh, in between place that Karl Marx came up with. I wish they would just skip to the bottom of the page and just go, "He's a communist." Just say that, right? <laughs> that would be more entertaining if they would just flat out call, just just start red baiting, just flat out call him a communist. Right? But see, yeah, but the, the all, of, all of the whole like McCarthyism, all of that just made communism. It's kind of off the table for a minute. Yeah. So socialism, socialism is the next communism, even though it's actually kind of in. Reverse. Uh, I mean, but but we have heard, and you brought up Michelle Bachman from Minnesota. People, you know, her quote, which was very clear, saying, "I wish journalists would seriously investigate my colleagues in Congress to see who is pro-America and who is anti-America <laughs> in Congress." Now, you know, I I I am all for routing out any treasonous spies who may have been planted here by other countries. That 
cool. You know, if we've got somebody in Congress who secretly working for another country, uh-huh. yeah, we should probably know about it. But other than that, I mean, I, I just think we've reached a preposterous level when we're debating whether one of the presidential candidates running in the middle of a Democratic small D campaign is, is a socialist. You know what's reached a preposterous level, by the way, is the amount of Botox in Michelle Bachman's face. Uh, you, take a, could, you know, I've, I've interviewed her up close, and I, I don't know. I think it, do you think? It, look, I will tell you this. She's either got a lot of Botox or she just is quite literally a reptile. Because you see her on television. No, seriously, you, you look at her on television. I think I told you this story before. When I first saw her, it was uh, Carville on one side, I think maybe maybe Roland Martin, but he was wearing something really loud. Like he was wearing a, like a bright fuchsia tie with like a flower okay. pattern. And then in the middle was Michelle Bachman. And I paused it on the TiVo, and I turned to my wife, and I said, Hey, look at the screen right now. Which one? Point out the crazy person to me. And you got Roland Martin, who's dressed like an orchid. You've got James Carville, who looks like Serpentor from the G.I. Joe cartoon. And then you've got Michelle Bachman. And she means she's like right there in the middle, Michelle Bachman. She's like, I don't even know who she is. She's crazy. Because she has this thing where when her face goes to its resting state, when she's talking, she can sort of look normal. But when Michelle Bachman's face goes to a relaxed state, her Forehead gets weirdly smooth and rigid. Her eyes get this sort of, uh, like you sort of expect her eyes to start doing that swirly spiral thing like in the old hypnosis cartoons where she's, you know, you don't need to see our identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. And then her upper lip, I think, retracts completely back up into her skull and her, her upper row of teeth just sit there gleaming and looking very threatening. I'm just saying I I've thought about say, this a know, lot. I've inter- she was very pleasant to interview. Well... Uh, but but that's all. That's I how they lull you in, and the next thing you know, that tongue snaps you up, and then you're, you. Know, oh, I mean, I think she's saying some really incendiary things, and she's not even apparently aware of it yeah. uh, because she's denying things that she said. And and politically, uh, that's a problem. As a reporter, that's a problem. But uh, yeah, I can't comment on the on the, the Botex cr- crazy whirly eye uh, thing yet. I so, don't know. but but to take us back to kind of where we started, so I was watching CNN last night, and they were talking about again this likely voter poll, and mm. is. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the likely voter is determined as someone who has voted in the past, or is that simply someone who says, yeah, I'm going to do me some voting? It depends. It, it could depend on the poll. But my understanding of our polling is it's someone we say, are you likely to vote this year? And they say yes. All right. And so then going back to last night at CNN and, and, uh, and Michelle Bachman and, and Bay Buchanan and, and you know, those folks, because the, because the Republicans do seem to be throwing the most fire right now. That's just sort of, Oh, no question. You know, there's, that's just the way it is. You know, Obama's so, got some negative ads, too. I'm not, you know, but you're right. It's mostly Republicans. And so I guess my question is, do they, do they think that stuff like hers is saying, he's a socialist, do they think that that does help? And if not, if they think that there's some sort of blowback, isn't there some, like, homeroom teacher in the Republican Party that can get everybody in a room and go, like, look, you got to knock it off. Stop it now. There are some Republicans coming out more and more that, that are kind of saying they, ha- they have a problem with the way McCain is running his campaign. And, in fact, some, some U.S. senators, Susan Collins of Maine, also Olympia Snow of Maine, both of them have come out recently and said, you've got to stop the robocalls about William Ayers, the right. whole terrorist Stuff. And, and those robocalls really go farther than McCain or Palin has gone in their own speeches. And they, they essentially say that Barack Obama had very close ties uh, with a domestic terrorist, you know, versus, you know, Palin sort of they're palling around. And, you know, they've tried to find the right, this right wording that they think will hit a nerve. Um, so those senators and also Norm Coleman of Minnesota have asked McCain to stop. Now, notably, Coleman and Collins of Maine are both in reelection fights. And, you know, when a, when a Republican senator in an election fight 
calls on their presidential candidate to stop a certain type of advertising, chances are that it's not just about whether it's uh, ethically right or wrong. It's probably they probably think it's hurting them for for John McCain to put these out. Now those are just two states. Hard to say what exactly is going to happen. CNN, uh, I shouldn't do this, but CNN's about to come out with a poll at 4 p.m. And I'll, I'll just tell you right now, in, in general, um, we polled five battleground states, North Carolina, Virginia, Nevada, um, uh, Ohio, and I can't remember the other one was, uh, not Florida, somewhere else. Anyway, we West Virginia, we polled those states and asked people in those states, um, the William Ayers, have you gotten a William Ayers phone call? Right. In some of those states, it seemed like about Five percent are getting these robocalls, and these are battleground states. Now we asked in those states, is that going to affect your vote? Looked like somewhere about a fifth to a quarter of people said that yeah, the William Ayers affects their vote. Now we don't know which way it affects the vote, but they, you know, Republicans are betting that it helps them. Because McCain's got to, I mean, there's a lot of states he's got to put in the win column that are the, that are certainly not assured to him, and some of them are oh. they he's very very behind. But man, he's got to start racking up some, you know, some some real momentum here, or those states are just he's they're going to be lost to him, and he's he's going to be hosed. He's fighting uphill. He's starting to get into a position where he has to run the table here, where he's kind of like that 65th team in the NCAA March Madness. You know, he's got to he's got to win uh, against odds several times in a right, row. Right. But you know, who knows? Florida and Ohio are still awfully close. It's hard to say uh, which way those will go. Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell yesterday said, you know, I think this is not sewn up for Obama. I think Obama and Clinton need to come back here. I think McCain is is picking up some momentum. You know, who, now are, are they just trying to tantalize us with a fabulous race? Yes. I, I don't know. Uh, two two real quick things before we go here. One, uh, news director Tim Riley and I have had this discussion several times, which is that they keep throwing this uh, socialist label at Barack Obama, and they keep bringing it up, and sometimes implicitly, sometimes explicitly. Right. And no one ever says what my wife was screaming at the television last night. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we've said it here, but no one really on these shows ever seems to say, well, what, what about this $700 billion yeah, right, that right. went to these public institutions, the banking institutions? Right. Um, you know, how is that? How is that any different? And, and in fact, how is that not worse than? You know, you know, Drew kind Griffin of... asked Sarah Palin about that yesterday in their sit-down interview, and uh, and he said, you know, well, you guys bailed out you know, the bank, seven hundred billion. That's government ownership, and she said, no, that was us reacting in a crisis. So, uh, uh, it, right. forget you know definitions. Eh. Who cares? And final final question here, is there any fear that the so much of the youth vote, which I read somewhere was defined as being between 18 and 25, uh, is there any fear that all of that momentum and the enthusiasm in the youth demo, that they're just not going to show up uh, yeah. on November 4th? Yes. Because that's what screwed Kerry so badly. And, and also um, not just among uh, the youth, but also minority voters, too. Same thing. Hope oh. That's from from the Obama side, you know. But 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 that's only because traditionally those are two groups: young voters, minority voters, who who have not either had faith in the election process or for whatever reason have not showed up at the polls. And and and, and some of that could also be, um, you know, minorities generally less money than than whites. And and some of them say, hey, I have to work. I don't have transportation. All that kind of stuff. Right. There's all sorts of reasons. And some people say, hey, they don't want to vote. They don't buy into the system. So a lot of that comes from from uh, past practice that that those two groups do not vote in as large numbers as other groups. All right. Are you uh, are you on tomorrow? I am. All right. We will talk to you then. As always, have a fantastic day. Okay. You too. All right. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Wonderful. Excellent.
Yeah, my wife was she was doing everything but hurling her wine goblet at the screen last night uh, when Sarah Palin was just well, you know, he does have some policies that seem very socialist, and it, she was getting to that that point of anger that I think a lot of us we know people on either side of the aisle that are at this point now where they she couldn't even form complete sentences. It was it was Sarah Palin was like, well, he, you know, he does have a lot of things that uh, you know trend towards socialism. My wife was like, seven hundred billion dollars, stupid. Gah! Uh, so it was, uh, you know, my wife was entering what we might call full duck man mode. It's 503-733-2970. Um, so I see Steve there. Are we transferring him or is he lost in some backwater tide pool? If I just stare at the phone, will he miraculously Where's he appear? transferring from? I don't know. I see him on. There he is. Right there he is. Because Rena Richie gets him on that supplemental, that backup phone now uh-huh. and then he needs to transfer him over. But I'm just, I don't know how... I have no idea how how any of this stuff works. So really, without with, without everybody here, this whole thing falls apart because there's all kinds of stuff that like I don't know how to do, but Sarah does, and stuff that Richie knows how to do that Sarah doesn't. None of us could do what Tim does. I mean, it's all with four very carefully and crucial intermeshed gears here. Let's welcome that to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how are you? I am fantastic. How's life? How are things in the big city, my friend? Doing, uh, yeah, okay, you know, the stock market's still bringing us down, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, the uh, that the thing about the stock market bringing us down is it's it's like uh, it's like when you go outside, uh, you know, the, when the first real cold snap of winter and it's like 27 degrees, and it feels like somebody punched you, but but then after about 10 minutes it's like a stinging, and then after that it's just sort of a generalized sense of a chill, and then later you're just so numb to the whole thing you don't even feel it. I mean, you realize you're probably losing limbs to frostbite, but you you just don't notice. I hear you. All right. Um, hey, so I'm looking at two words here that might describe the November 4th election. Those words are frustrating and long. So yes. is this a thing where are they expecting, uh, at least in some states or cities, this huge turnout that's going to, I mean, are people just going to be in line for nine hours trying to vote? Seriously, in some areas, yeah. There there are a number of groups and organizations that have done research, and they've looked at places that are considered battleground states. They've mm-hmm. looked at Ohio, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania, which really isn't a battleground state, but they expect extremely high turnout there. Uh, Virginia as well could uh, be a very key state in this election. And they've all found the same thing, that uh, in some districts they are woefully unprepared to handle the expected voter turnout, meaning that they don't have enough voting booths and or polling station personnel to handle the number of people that they expect to come through in the timely fashion that they should. Can you miss a day of work to vote? Can you? Do you know that in most states? In other words, if you show up to some polling place, because let's be honest, I mean, the, 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 well, never mind. I was going to go off and do a, a little rant, but uh, most people, feel, you know, people got to eat. You know, most people got to work. They got to go to work that day. If you go to your polling place in the morning and you are a responsible citizen, you get up. Polling place opens, and here in Oregon, it's a non-issue because we all vote by mail. Uh, we are ahead of the rest of the world in that regard. You guys but, have the best deal, by the dude, way. Dude, we yeah. got it sorted. I got my ballot right here, right here in my hand. Uh, Tim already voted, I think. So, I mean, we, yeah, we've got it, you know, we got it wired here. But, you know, you get up, you go to the polling place. As soon as they open, you're like, okay, I'm going to cast my vote, The uh, go into the sanctity of the voting booth as guaranteed by this fine republic. But it's you're just in line and in line and you're waiting and you're waiting and finally you look at your watch like you know like they're gonna dock my pay they're gonna you know I'm gonna be screwed. Is that a thing that you can get nailed for at work if you can't get there because you're trying to vote? Oh, I, I think so. Uh, there are some states and some employers, uh, especially in the public sector, that give you off on election day, 
and then there are others that don't, and you have to do it on your own time, and that's the problem here. You know, some organizations have found that poor and minority communities in these key battleground states are probably going to have the longest lines at their uh, voting districts because the number of polling booths, they, they took a look at this and found that in those states, in white voting districts, there are 30% fewer likely voters per voting booth than there are in the poor and minority communities. In other words, the ratio of people to booths is it is why it is it's disproportionate sort of as income level drops in the community exactly right. and of course in those battleground states the poor and minority communities the polls tell us they are more likely to vote for barack obama so this is a serious issue uh, as far as the obama campaign is concerned i'm telling you man there's uh there's 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 big dark clouds on the horizon i'm well, telling you right happened, now this happened in ohio in 2004 and studies have shown research has shown since then that thousands and some claim well over 10,000 people did not vote on Election Day because they could not wait in line in three or four hours to vote. That so they had kids at home, nobody to watch them, and they had to get back home or, or things like that, or they had to get to work. So, uh, and, and as we all know, the election was decided in Ohio. I got to tell you, I'm just speaking for myself here, but I got to tell you, did they, uh... On November 4th, if, 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 there are, if there are more than a few cities or communities, and God forbid, more than a couple states, where you are suddenly, and you know, with, with the age of you know, the Internet and technology and science, you hear this stuff instantly now. If we get to a place on Election Day where you get, let's say, simultaneous or nearly simultaneous reports of multiple states where people can't vote... There's going to be some bad happening. I'm telling you right now. There is, oh, yeah. There's going to be There's going to be trouble. There is going to be as there as John Fogarty says there is a there is a bad moon rising my friend and there's going to be some serious problems that day. Well, I'm going to be watching that closely on election night as part of our coverage. I'm going to be taking a look at that. Yeah, I would be worried in your in Oregon or uh did I pronounce it right? Oregon? Yes. Yes, thank you. Uh that um let's say I'm a postman and I'm really pro democrat, right? And I'm picking up the mail in mailboxes in a Republican community, right? I'd be worried that that guy might take all the voting ballots, the mail-ins, and you know, set them on fire and, and destroy them. <laughs> Which, has that ever happened? I think it's sort of perversely great that you even conceived of that. You <laughs> even thought of that idea. Is uh, that a possibility? Has that ever happened? Well, I, look, I, we have many, 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 many uh, postal carriers or listeners of this program. Uh, we have many folks out there who either pick up things, deliver things, they take things from one place to another. So uh, I, I don't know that we've ever heard of that. And, of course, we, uh, we trust them all to be public servants of the highest nature. That being said, every, you know, I don't know, every three, four, five years, you hear about some uh, postal carrier in, like, Brunswick, New Jersey, and they found 500, uh, you know, 1,000 Sears catalogs. Right. In his apartment that he's been stealing. So mailed, right? Exactly. I'm just, I'm just telling you, man. There's, uh, there's, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a serious kerfuffle on the fourth if things start to go sideways, or if there's even the appearance that things go sideways. So there, there are going to be a lot of, we already know that this is going to happen. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of allegations uh, thrown out, uh, you know, uh, thrown out there by by both uh, campaigns, by supporters of both candidates that uh, there were voting irregularities, and because this is such a uh, a high-stakes election this year, and, and because there's going to be such an incredible voter turnout. I mean, we're, we're looking at 
potentially record numbers in, in almost every single state across the country here. So w- with that in mind, we know there are going to be, there's going to be an increase in the number of people saying, hey, I, I couldn't get into my, my polling station, or there were, you know, 50% of the booths didn't uh, work, or, or, you know, the electronic voting station in my place kept switching my vote, and they didn't know how to fix it. You know, you, you're going to hear that. And the great thing is that stuff is almost impossible to verify or refute. So, you know. right. well, as always, Oregon is ready to help the rest of the country, you know, step into the 21st century. You just let us know, sir. I'm just waiting for that story to happen. You know, they, 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 they break into some postal employee's house and find piles and piles of uh, voting ballots that he never delivered. <laughs> and then they'll, and they'll, the sources say he got the idea from Steve Kastenbaum, CNN radio reporter. And I'm glad to uh, be inspiring for All right. Yes. As always, my friend, have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. There you go, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Well, there's one more thing to worry about. All right. Uh, all right. I apologize to the folks on hold. I, uh, I'm an ass. When we come back, we'll uh, get it. So if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get to you as soon as we come back. We'll be right, uh, be right back. We'll get your phone calls. Tim Riley from the Ministry of Truth. Have you news for us when we return? Yes. Very exciting. Coming up later on, Taser Watch, Palin Watch, Bush Watch. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Radio Program. This email says, Rick, you know you live in a great state when you can vote in a bar. I encourage everyone in Oregon to take their ballots to their favorite watering hole, buy a stiff whiskey, and then do your civic duty. It's a great feeling, both the voting and the drinking. He then continues, let me tell you, Rick, you're going to need a shot or two to numb the pain of having to vote for Jeff Merkley. The race is a choice between a self-hating Republican on one side and a complete goober on the other, and you must choose the goober. All right, there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up this hour, I think maybe at the end of each hour, like noon, one, and two, we'll do like 60 seconds of exit polling to see how you, the people, are casting your ballots. My ballot is right here. I haven't voted for anybody except uh, except this Muhammad guy. So uh, we'll do more. Uh, Tim Riley joins us in just one moment. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up? I got three things. Um, I wanted to make a possible correction. You made a G.I. Joe reference to... uh, to uh, what, Carville? Uh, yeah, I said, you, like, said, you called him Serpentor. Serpentor. I, I, I'm thinking Destro. Wouldn't Destro be more? Yeah, Destro without the silver coating. Yeah, I think I, I, here's why I think I said Serpentor. Because who was it that called him Serpent Head? It might have been Mary Madeline, actually, his wife. Uh, but Carville does have that thing like he, he doesn't quite have enough skin, you know, for what he needs. And he's just slowly, uh-huh. he looks like someone, like, he looks like a sort of witch doctor is shrinking his head while it's still attached and he's still alive. Right. And so I was thinking, Reptile, snake, and then I went right to Serpentor. But you know who else he looks like? Iron Maiden fans in the house? He looks like Eddie on the cover of the Iron Maiden Peace of Mind album. So you go look that up, James Carville. But I can also I can get with you on Destro, too. Uh, second thing is, um, as far as if you're if anybody's squeamish about uh, giving their ballot to a, to a mailman, I just drop it off on election night at a library. You know what? I trust my letter carrier implicitly. I mean, I, I I do too, but I live in kind of a conservative area, and yes. you know, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't I don't tr- I don't trust anybody, no matter what. So oh, good I just drop you. it off in person. No, we we and, can get behind that viewpoint. We can we can definitely sympathize without that outlook, sir. Yeah, I'm not to say that I am. I'm kind of independent, but anyway, the third thing is I've always wondered this: Is your dog named after Max 910? No, no, God, no. 
No. No. No. F no. 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 S no, man. I don't believe you get your ass kicked for that. Now, long story short about Max, when we got him, his name was Max, and we didn't we didn't think it really fit. Uh, we got him when he was a few years old. We thought that was a you know kind of a bad name. Um, what was your what was Muppet's name when you got him? Um, Sully. Sully. No, that's a terrible it's name. It's a terrible name. It's a terrible name for anyone, it's even just a human. Depressing. Yeah, that sounds like it. It's like an abbreviation for Sullen. It's like, hey, Sully. Sully sounds like some 50s guy that's uh, trying to bum smokes from you at the, the, the union work hall because he can't get hired on the day. Um, and, well, you know, it's like uh, Philo, our new Philo, they gave him a, like a placeholder name at the shelter, and it was, wait for it, Pepe. He is not a Pepe. Nothing wrong with that name. It's a fine name. Not for him. Um, but, yeah, his name was Max, and we were like, ah, that doesn't really work. But then a- over the course of a few days while we were trying to think of a different name, we fell into calling him Maxwell, which uh, and, and then that made it more palatable to us. Anyway, long story short, that was his name, and then we just never changed it. Got it. And, yeah, nothing is named after uh, after Max 910 at all. That's a, that's a way to – you name your dog after Max 910, that's a way to ensure he's going to be in the grill of a Chrysler within, like, a day. It's just a, that's a name that brings bad luck. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah, that's right. All right, there you go. All right. I want my dog to fail. Let's name him after Max 910. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Two duck hunters have found a human leg in the Willamette River near Newburgh. This is a woman's leg found near Rogers Landing. Sheriff Crabtree said the woman, Sheriff Crabtree, was uh, well approximately five foot four to five foot seven inches tall. She seemed taller. Mm-hmm. At one point, the right pelvic bone, the femoral bone, knee area, tibia, and fibula bones were found, but no <laughs> fibula <clothes>. bone. The <laughs> fibula bone. The fibula bone. That's like a, it's like a digiteru. Yes, just like that. Doesn't that seem like a thing you play? A fibula bone. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know how you pronounce that. Amy Faust, uh, our good friend Amy, with whom we worked for many years, she sent me a, a playfully snarky email yesterday about me saying short-lived, and she claims that it's short-lived. No, and... somebody made that up last year. Okay, no, but here's the thing. She was referencing that call. She's like, last year you had a fight with somebody about this, and you were wrong. But here's the weird thing. She she goes on then. She further claims that not only are we pronouncing it short-lived when it's short-lived, she claims that I once corrected her for saying short-lived and that I told her years ago, no, 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 it's short-lived, and that now I've somehow reversed myself and I'm saying it wrong. Let's be clear about this. I don't care. So let's not bog ourselves down with clarification on this point. Anywho, uh, bone. That fabula bone also kind of sounds like maybe like a like a a play toy for your dog, mm-hmm. maybe made out of some space age plasticky material that he could chew on without destroying. The fabula bone Ben you know, snaps right back. Ding. So uh, Sheriff Crabtree is working closely with other counties to find out if anyone has a leg missing. Uh-huh. Clackamas County have arrested a 47 year old Medford man who's trying to see if uh, two girls would meet him from being online. Of course. The sheriff's office's Kelly Ray Rasmussen was booked on charges of an online sexual corruption of a minor and luring a minor. They believe he began communicating alone with a 13-year-old girl in July and 11-year-old in September. They say he was arrested uh, yesterday afternoon in Clackamas County where he was poised to meet the 13-year-old female. And wait, I'm, I'm unclear about this. Is this a real 13-year-old female or is this a cop that he thought was... Yes, it's always a cop. All right. So Kelly Ray... Is under arrest. I demand right now. I insist. 
I, I really not. I'm just issuing a, an executive order here. Somebody needs to do like those Freakonomics guys. Who here has read Freakonomics? Oh man, it's have. the best book. Is that like the One Minute Manager? No, 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 it's not. And, and let's, let me be very clear about it. Freakonomics is not like it. It's not like a self-help book. It's not a motivation book. It's not like one of those seven effective steps of highly whatever people. It's it has. It's not an improvement book. It has nothing to do with that. And keep in mind also that I know almost nothing about math and almost nothing about the economy. Freakonomics, though, is a mathematical and uh, and sort of statistical analysis of commonplace sociological assumptions, and they peel it away to determine if there's any truth at them. And it's jaw-droppingly good. I mean, it's fascinating. Um, they, um, I don't even know I should say this. It makes it, this makes the book sound darker than it is. Freakonomics gained some notoriety because the authors of Freakonomics, who are these fiendishly intelligent math guys, they came, one of the chapters in Freakonomics, they came, and I'm just going to, this is, I'm just passing this along. They came to the conclusion in Freakonomics after analyzing crime rates, you know, birth rates, blah, 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 for like the last 50 years, that the drop in crime in this country that started in around 1990 was attributable to Roe versus Wade and the legalization of abortion. That was one of their controversial conclusions, is that Roe v. Wade, 18 years later, resulted in a lowered crime rate because um, many criminals come from the same demographic, economically speaking or otherwise, that is most likely to use abortion when it is legal. Uh, but the book is just full of the most fascinating things. Um, but I demand that somebody do a Freakonomic-style investigation right now of... Correlation between a name like Kelly Ray and being arrested for something, or anything named Ray. I mean, doesn't it? Usually, it leads to be criminal. Doesn't it always seem like it's the first name, specifically a first name ending with an E sound, like Bobby or Billy or Johnny, and then a one-syllable middle name, Bobby Ray, Johnny Tex, Stevie, Stevie Don. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those guys are always just getting stuck in the back of a squad car for something retarded. So I insist right now that somebody do this. I be just because I want to be able to read the study when it's done. So get on that. Here's Tim Riley. Then there's a reward being offered after 1,000 mink are set free from a mink farm in Austria. Austria. There's a $100,000 reward for this. Austria is that town where everything is really pretty. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Sheriff's deputies. Well, it would be with mink. That's Sheriff's my town in Second Life. <laughs> the latest case uh, came early Friday when mink were released from Upelto's fur farm and they ran into an Astoria neighborhood. The owner is able to catch a majority, but hundreds are still running loose. They're afraid they're going to uh, bite the kids. 35 mink have been killed so far by large dogs. A group called the North American Animal Liberation claims that they opened up the cage. That's always a bad thing. You think these things can survive in the wild. They can't. Minks? Wait, so they or were any kind of animal that's domestically bred. So were they, they were released by some animal rights nutcase? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so who has claimed responsibility for this? Anybody? The North American Animal Liberation. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, look, animals don't... Can I just say this? Yes. If an animal wants to be liberated, you'll know because it will, you know, it'll be liberating. It. I mean, look, animal, did we get that thing the other day? Didn't somebody again send us that YouTube video, that insane thing of the octopus crawling out of its cage and, like, or out of its tank and, like, moving around the, the oh, yeah, lab like at night? Oh, the floor and everything? Yeah, like, when nobody's around, the octopus, nobody sees me. And, and it, it squeezes out of, out of the space, like... An it's, inch long, it's like wide. And there was that thing up at OHSU, I think, the primate testing place where the, oh, the, yeah. the monkeys were figuring out how to, like, open their cages or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, domesticated animals don't want to be released. 
That's just the, rea- the reality. So. And they're kept lying on pillows. You know what would be their feet up? It would be really satisfying, Tim, is if uh, when one of these animal rights nutcase groups went to like free some animals and the animals just immediately killed and devoured them. Oh, like in Willard. Ex- exactly, like that, or like in that uh, in Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we're here to release these monkeys. Ah! You know, this is suddenly no face. Please release us. We'll be your friend. That be. <laughs> Let me out of the cage. Parcel time. Here's Tim Riley. So Google is jumping into the mobile phone business with its new G1 phone. People are lining up in stores in southwest Portland and around the U.S. to buy these new phones at retail stores. Are they lining up, or is this a press release that we're reading with that check? <laughs> You're reading a press release, Tim. No, well, what happens is you localize it by saying people in blah, 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 blah. People in Beaverton. <laughs> Because we're really not covering this. <laughs> the new gadget features a touch screen, a slide-out keyboard, and a trackball. This alternative to Apple's iPhone is the first phone powered by Google's Android. The G1 is available. Powered by an Android? That's right. That's what they're calling it. Please to explain. I'm not sure. I have no interest in the Google Android phone. I'd rather have an Apple phone and do it myself. The G1 is available starting today for $179, but... You have to have a two-year contract with T-Mobile. I'm pretty sure I had some story about... No, I guess it was not the new BlackBerry. Now, BlackBerry Bold is coming up. So it's not being released everywhere. Portland and a handful of other cities have it. Well, it's because we're very tech-savvy. Which, which it doesn't include Seattle. Really? Right. In your face, Seattle. Yeah, eat that. So, uh, well, because they, they do launch a lot of products here in the Northwest. You know what started in the Northwest, Tim? Digital gas pumps. You remember back in the day when it was like the dials on the gas mm-hmm. pump that would spin? Digital gas pumps, they tested in the Northwest. But like, I don't know why you would need to test it. People going to revolt. I refuse to buy my gas here. I demand the spinny wheel kind. But they tested those things in the Northwest, and they rolled them out. So it's in Portland and where? Portland, Baltimore, Boston, Baltimore? Dallas. Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Boston, Dallas, Houston, Las Vegas, Miami, Minneapolis, New York, Phoenix, San Antonio, and San Diego, not L.A. They should be testing new Kevlar in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Uh, well, okay, so there's the G phone. And when does it go on sale? Now? No. Is, no. It, is it actually selling? Are people lining up now? Uh, people are lining up. Allegedly. The story, yes. I demand that somebody... Here's another demand of mine. I demand that somebody go buy uh, like a T-Mobile outlet and see if people are actually lining up for this. Because well, nothing... No offense to Google. Mm-hmm. You know, Google does a lot of stuff right. Gmail, great. Google itself, great. Some of their other things, maybe not so great. But nothing like this ever works the first time out. No first version of any piece of electronics ever works properly. I mean, it's always just, I mean, if you're an early adopter, I guess, but it's always just glitchy and just filled with bugs and crap. And Yeah, don't, uh, I would wait. I'm just saying if it were me. Oregon's getting a new area code. Beginning on in 2010, the new 458 area code will serve the same geographic area that has the current 541 area code. That sounds confusing. The 541 area code is in danger of running out of numbers. That until the Oregon Public Utilities Commission decision, it'll ensure enough telephone numbers will be around for 24 years. All residents with existing 541 area codes will be able to keep it, but new telephone customers for local phone service, cell phone, paging, and alarms will receive the five, the 458 call. But, but see, isn't this more evidence that they just did this wrong to begin with? Because what they should do is they should have... An area code for fax machines, mm-hmm. an area code for cell phones, an area code for a landline. This idea of doing it geographically just makes no sense at all, because then you, I mean... Well, according to the map, it's mostly in areas that really don't matter anyway. Oh, yeah, I don't care about any of those places. No, and, and who knows what's, what's past who Well, who are you even calling there? I don't know. I demand to speak to the pile of rocks to your left. There's nothing there to call. Well, no. whatever, knock yourself out, I suppose. 
Well, you got to do something for them every once in a while. Quick, put me through to a pile of sand. Here's bad news. 99 cent only stores are closing their doors because they're unprofitable. This is happening in Texas only so far. Now, if you ever lived in California, they're the place to shop. And I went to one recently. Uh, let's see, it was in Santa Monica. And they had meat and ice cream and cheese and stuff there, all for ninety nine cents. Absolutely. Uh, now, when I now, do you eat any of that food from the ninety nine cent store? I I, you, I was an actor. Everybody shops at the ninety nine cent store. Every well, Laura and I lived in San Diego. Uh, we the, the ninety nine cent stores are omnipresent mm-hmm. in California. They're everywhere. We got a lot. We got a lot of them here, but they're not as good as these. No, they're everywhere in California. And every time we go back to San Diego, there's this particular this stretch of beach that we stay at every single time. Go to the same place, same hotel every time. And right across, and the, the right across the street, this it, this hotel is sort of on a street. It's a lot like Hawthorne. It has that same kind of feel to it. But the big store on the street that everybody shops at in that community is the 99 cent store because again they have everything. And it's and you know and you think of the 99 cent store thing. Well, that's all crap. It's not so much crap as it is weird brands of things sometimes, or just sort of strange imported versions of certain things or discontinued flavors. My when I was broke, uh, when I was living in San Diego before I came here, and in fact, what day is today? Today's what? What is today? Wednesday. But what is the date? It looks like the twenty second. You know, it's coming. You know, uh, I, I normally don't ever draw attention to things like this, but you know, in, in three weeks from yesterday, in other words, one week after the election, is going to be my uh, ten year anniversary starting in Portland. Oh, congratulations! November eleventh. So we just passed yours, which was August, right? Yes. Yeah, so November 11th is my 10th anniversary of starting it. That's the day I started in Portland. Um, anyway, but before, you know, but when I was living there before I came here, it was dirt broke. And so you go to the 99 cent store, and they would have the weirdest flavors and brands of, like, Pop-Tarts and cereal. Many of them, I think, remaindered over from the restaurant industry because there was this whole corner of the 99 cent store that I went to where it was hundreds and hundreds of boxes of Pop-Tarts. But they had like the generic labeling, like they, pops. No, well, no, but they were actual pop tarts. Mm-hmm. But it was a white box, and then stenciling it said pop tarts, like grape jam and marshmallow flavor. And clearly, they had been given to restaurants or maybe vending machine companies who couldn't sell them, and so they then sold them to the dollar store. Mm-hmm. It was, and they did the same thing with bre- you would see breakfast cereal. It was like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure breakfast cereal, you know, petunia flavor. Just something that no one that clearly was not going to sell mm-hmm. it would end up there. It was it was a it was an interesting sort of culinary archaeology to go to the dollar store. I went to this giant one. And it was at Venice Beach because it was right next door to the Tommies that I stopped at because I was going to get some of that what used to be canned chili to take home and give it to you. Right. But they stopped canning it a long time ago, and Bastards. I have a feeling it's because of the people here who may have been using that canned chili by, and call themselves or the replicate the Tommies. So uh. that could be the reason why. Well, anyway. The dollar store, the giant one, is right next door to Tommy's at Venice Beach. So I did all my Christmas shopping when I was at the 99. <laughs> it's like eight seasons of Friends, one dollar. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, on the way to uh, this morning, on the way to to to, uh, uh, to uh, film the latest installment or an upcoming installment of that outside project, I can't discuss in any oh, greater yes. detail. I have to drive by a thing that's called the Dollar Shop, two P's and an E. The dollar shop. That sounds very French. It's uh, no, it's it's upscale, Tim. You know, nothing but the best in Beaverton. All right, here's Tim Riley. So anyway, this doesn't affect the California stores. The Texas stores lost 15 million dollars last year. The 9910-only store says they will raise prices for the first time ever. Prices will go to 99.99 cents from 99 cents. Are they going to be the 99.9? They're going to have to change all the signs. That's weird. All right. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. 
Yeah, I was calling to tell you about the up-and-coming BlackBerry Storm. I heard you mention the bold. Now, is the BlackBerry Storm already out, or is that still still to be BlackBerry released? BlackBerry Storm is coming out uh, for Verizon, which I know you use and cherish. Yes. So it will be out, I think... I was told originally November, but now I think it's December. Now, what is it? Now, what is the deal with? If you know this, what is the deal with the BlackBerry Storm and the BlackBerry Bold? As because I currently use, I use the BlackBerry 8831, the um, the the, the World Edition, the 8830 yeah. rather, uh, with, with which I'm very happy. I will say this: the BlackBerry World Edition, also called the Corporate Edition, has no phone or no camera rather on the phone, and I don't really ever use the camera, but it kind of bugs me that there isn't one. So, what is what is the Storm and the Bold going to be like? Do you know? Uh, the bold, I'm not entirely sure. I've been, I got a, an email about the storm because I guess the company I work for will be upgrading to right. Um I have a curve and a world right now, and you're right, the no camera on the world. Now, does the curve have the full QWERTY keyboard? Yes. Okay, because I, I it's the picture of the world with a camera. Oh, see, so yeah, clearly I went the wrong way. I should have gotten the curve. Well, so. see, the downside, I guess, is the the curve can't go international, which right. Whatever. What with and, all my world traveling and all, I'll need that. Oh, right. And, I mean, when you're out of the country, you always want to make phone calls to people in the States anyway. So. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, the uh, the new one coming out, the – oh, crap. Now I just forgot the name. Well, there's the Bold and the Storm. Storm, yes. Yeah. Is touchscreen, uh, similar to an iPhone, just not annoying, like Mac people. Now, with the um, with the touchscreen, is that – does it require, like, use a stylus or, like, your finger? Because the thing uh, – You can use your fingers. Yeah, the, the stylus is a deal breaker for me. I've had touch touchscreen devices in the past that require the use of a stylus, and I just I cannot get with that. It's one step too many for my tiny human brain. I demand to be able to just touch the screen and make stuff work. Well, a stylus, I always think of like a you know 1994 Palm Pilot. Exactly, you totally like you have like the like you have the Apple Newton in your hand. Yeah. 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 All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. There you go. All right, Tim Riley. Police departments across this country are beefing up their ranks for Election Day, preparing for possible civil unrest and riots after the historic presidential contest. Fantastic. Public safety officials say in an interview that after the election, which will end with either the nation's first black president or the first female vice president, there will be a demand for a stronger police presence. Some worry that if Barack Obama loses and their suspicion of foul play, violence could ensue in cities with large black populations. Others base the need for enhanced patrols on past rights in urban areas, such as sporting events and Internet rumors. What Internet rumors sparked a riot? I can't think of which one. Democratic uh, strategists and advocates for black voters say they understand officers want to keep the peace, but caution that excessive police presence could intimidate voters. In Oakland, police will deploy extra units trained in riot control as well as extra police, even putting SWAT teams on standby. The Oakland uh, police uh, last faced big riots in 2003 when the Raiders lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, that's what's going on election day. And I know that there have been, you know, you hear people say this that they, they feel like, well, it's going to be, you know, if, if any violence happens, it'll be it'll be centralized in certain communities, and they, you know, they reference minority communities or whatever. But uh, I, first of all, 48 percent of the country is going to be angry and drunk and looking for vengeance, one way or the other. There's just no getting around that. There's going to be two percent who, I guess, uh, just, you know, were sleeping it off or remained undecided to the end. Just, I don't know. It's all so difficult. I'm going to go home instead. There's going to be a handful of undecided nitwits in the middle, but there's going to be nearly half the country that is angry regardless. It just, it's just a question of which half is going to be pissed off and how they're going to sort of exercise that rage. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's like I told Steve Kastenbaum earlier when they were, he said that there's these massive lines. And aren't they voting 
It's already too bad they're voting in Florida. Like now, they're already voting there. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. Why? I mean, I guess I don't really care that much about Florida's processes, except that that seems to be where everything bad happens. I mean, not like I'm going to be voting there anytime soon, but I'm curious about that. Why are they voting now in Florida? What is what is the thing for that? I guess they give them lots of time to think about it. <laughs> they need to be able to sound out all the various words. Mm-hmm. Uh, polling placa place. Um, so, I mean, I know that maybe in Florida they're facing a steeper intellectual curve in almost every way and across across every every uh, every type of person there, but. It's just weird because I think in Ohio they started voting last month, mm-hmm. and so we're voting now, Florida. But I don't think this is even by mail. I think in Florida people are like standing in line to vote right now. But um, anyway, so Castleman was saying there's already these massive lines, and in Ohio people are already starting to mutter about the people who got the vote who shouldn't have, and people who should have been allowed to vote and weren't. And that on election day, the people you know people stand in line for nine hours, not going to be able to get in there. So there is a. Uh, as soon, and it's not going to be an, it's not an if, it's like when. When there are these allegations of voter fraud or impropriety or ballot stuffing or ballot stealing, as soon as that stuff happens, man, it's, things are going to go sideways. That I'm telling you right now. It's going to be a, it's going to be a long ass night. And we'll be there to cover every glorified moment of it. Uh, that'll be on Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Uh, the Rick Emerson Show's political party happening Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. at Grand Central Bowl in conjunction with the Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project, along with our fine sponsors, Taboo Adult Video and Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing. So be sure to join us there with uh, live uh, news updates throughout the night from Tim Riley. He's going to be broadcasting live there from the AM 970 Mobile News Studio on these airwaves, along with uh, long-form coverage from Lisa Desjardins, CNN Radio. So it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a truly glorious night, and we will be there, good, bad, indifferent, uh, to report on every moment of it. Here's Tim Riley. Two small planes carrying a total of six people collided in midair over western Colorado, but miraculously, both have landed safely and nobody was hurt. It's truly one of those miracles. Usually, in a midair collision, you have serious damage, serious injuries, if any survivors at all. Uh, so this was a Cessna hitting another Cessna, a Cessna 210 and a Cessna 180. The sheriff's plane landed at Grand Junction Regional Airport, and the other landed amid sagebrush and scrub oak at the foot of towering Grand Mesa, about 10 miles south of the airport. A sheriff's spokesman said the sheriff's plane had taken off from Grand Junction, and inmates were being transferred to the state prison, but they didn't know where the plane was heading. Wait, it was a plane full of prisoners? Yeah. So it's like a Con Air kind of a thing? Yeah. All right. So that is kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, let's see. Uh, we're going to break here in a second. Uh, Richie, I'm looking for... Have you seen this this breaking news from Richie, Tim? I have not. I'm trying to... Uh... Richie, where did you where did you hear this? All right. I'm trying to... I, I don't want to say anything about it. Uh, Tim, what... Dante's usually on the ball, though. About yeah. That. Yeah, I just want to have... Um... It has nothing to do with, with Oregon. Um, there's a... I'll put it this way. There's a, we can look for this in the break. Then there's been a report that there's been um, a shooting at a uh, at a, uni- a non-Oregon. Is that not oh, here? Uh, uh, a I university. Kentucky. In Kentucky. Yeah, I, I have that here. Shots fired at Western Kentucky. They're investigating reports of shots fired on the campus of Western Kentucky University. University police received a report of one or more gunmen on the south campus of the school. University attorney Deborah Wilkins is saying there are no injuries at this point. Fox reports shots were heard in a dormitory, which was evacuated. Meanwhile, local police haven't confirmed that shots were fired. 
All right. So I guess more uh, more on that as it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got uh, so somebody, by the way, before we break it, they said they created the voting measure in Florida to avoid clogged poll lines in order to avoid the debacles they faced in 2000 and 2004. And then somebody says that uh, actually Texas uh, started voting Monday as well. So, all right. It's 503-733-2970. Back after this, more from Tim Riley. Still to come, Taser Watch, Palin Watch, Bush Watch. Later on, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian to talk about last night's episode of The Shield as well as Mad Men, uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. the Rick Emerson radio program, and actually it occurs to me not even the stream heard that, because local commercials are blanked out on the stream. Oh, I was going to say, they got the real treat. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, the only people that heard that just now were us and Richie. Well, the less said about it, the better then. That's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 is the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, Richie's going to bring us some cleaned up audio here in a few Apparently it is uh, McCain. I think Kira Phillips was the last one who did this a few days ago. Uh-huh. So there's some audio that Richie is going to clean up of McCain inadvertently using the C word. Very uh, much so. On live it. television. Was, was it on MSNBC? Yeah. Fantastic. All right. At a uh, some sort of a campaign rally. So it's 503-733-2970. Uh-huh. Uh, don't forget, at the end of this hour, in fact, at the end of every hour today, we're going to do a 60-second exit poll. Uh, we're going to talk to folks who've already voted, and we're going to find out exactly uh, what the Pulse of Oregon is telling us about the upcoming election. So we'll do that 60 seconds this hour, 60 seconds each of the following hours. Uh, next hour, about half an hour from now, we're going to play the new Guns N' Roses single, uh, Chinese Democracy, title track from the upcoming record. Got it. Uh, it's Okay, we've got it in the system. We're going to play the new Guns N' Roses song. About half an hour from now. Later on, Peter Carlin, who's going to talk about Sunday's Mad Men, last night's The Shield, which was amazing. Uh, both of them, actually. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. And uh, other things of this nature. Plus, Taser Watch, Bush Watch, Palin Watch. This is Tim Riley. <laughs> An anti-war protester confronted Carl Rove while he was speaking in San Francisco at a mortgage bankers meeting. A statement by the group Code Pink identified the woman as 58-year-old Janine Bardaparth, who tried to handcuff Robe in what she called a citizen's arrest for treason. Robe was speaking at the Mortgage Bankers Association annual convention. He elbowed Bardaparth away as she was escorted off the stage. In total, five Code Pink members were removed from the hall during Robe's appearance. The organization saying none of the five women are being charged with anything. All right, I've got the... Uh... I've got the uh, the McCain thing cleaned up here. Richie, it says McCain. <laughs> we hope. Be very clear about this. Why don't you play it and I'll listen to it? Right is now. is this the McCain thing? It's called McCain cut. McCain cut. Yeah. All right, Sarah. Can I play this in Q? Are you mind Q over there? All right, let me uh. Right there. It's yeah, sleep. It's sleep. All right. So this is called McCain cut. C U. Mm-hmm. T. Uh, this is John McCain speaking er, today. Is this today? Today, yes. On MSNBC. Rates were cut in the cut in the Bush years. <laughs> so he's using the uh, he's using an inappropriate word there. Rates were cut in the cut in the Bush years. 
Really? It's hard to visualize what he's saying. But doesn't it sound like all those words do go together somehow? Yes. Yeah. Rates were cut in the cut in the Bush years. Were they ever? <laughs> Rates were cut in the cut in the Bush years. Oh, and you people go find it. That's right. It is the, it is so apparent. Be careful when you play that though. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, don't play it at work. <laughs> Kaiser Permanente has warned some flu shot recipients may have been given a shot with a bad batch that went bad during shipping. Kaiser, I barely knew her. This is a batch uh, that likely got too cold during shipping. This color uh, temperature sensitive strip, apparently 35,000 people got these shots. So it might be defective. So in other words, it's not gonna, is it going to give you the flu or is it just not going to work? I mean, it's not going to work. Honest, it doesn't work anyway. But, no, uh, it doesn't it, work anyway. But I mean, if, in this some alternate universe where the flu shot was effective, no. this would then disable that functionality. I mean, people are better off getting Botox, really. That's what I'm saying. Oh, by the way, and I mean this sincerely. I'm not I'm going to be snarky about this. I would actually like to thank uh, James Robinson, uh, who's our board op sometimes in the afternoon. He runs Lycus. He's also on Miles Around, part of Musicology, who actually came to work yesterday, realized he was getting sick, went home. Went home. That's why Timmy Ryan was here. Because uh, James, Thank you, James. He was sitting at his desk doing some stuff in the morning. He's like, <coughs> <coughs> oh, no. Oh, wait a minute. And he immediately came out and he's like, I think I'm getting sick. I'm going home. I'm calling Timmy Ryan. Goodbye. And he left, man. And I actually told him, I said, thank you. Thank you for not sitting and breathing into Sarah's microphone uh, all day. I, by the way, there is somebody upstairs who had bronchitis or thinks she had bronchitis. Made sure she came to work, though, for many, many hours breathing down the hall from me, making sure that all of her stuff was taken care of before she went home. So thanks. Thanks so much for that. I appreciate that. All right, here's Tim Riley. I think we all do. It is time now for a very long Palin watch. Here's your Palin watch for, uh, wait, hold on. Let me, uh, well, we'll just, here's your Palin watch for. Rates were cut in the, cut in the Bush years. For uh, Wednesday, here's Tim Riley. Palin watch. Story number one. Palin said the election results are in God's hands. Vice Presidential Candidate Sarah Palin, who describes herself as a hardcore pro-lifer and expresses confidence that in spite of disheartening polls, putting this in God's hands, that the right thing for America will be done on November 4th. I don't understand. So what does that mean when you put it in God's hands? Well, she was uh, doing this during an interview with James Dobson. That might be the answer oh. to it. <laughs> of course she was. Um, but, but really, let's just... But the I... problem is... McCain himself does not support the platform on three important issues to James Dobson's people, which includes abortion, gay marriage, and stem cell research. Well, Dobson actually, do you remember months ago, this is all sort of lost now because this election just evolves faster than we can possibly keep track of it. People probably now have forgot. First of all, you don't know who James Dobson is. Uh, he's nuts. He is the head of Focus on the Family, uh -huh. which is this crackpot, uh, nutcase religious group. And he, James well, Dobson, he's the hero of all the hardcore knuckle draggers in this party. Basically. Yes, he is, Tim. And I was going to say, he is the kind of guy that makes, and I've, I think I can speak for him here, he's the kind of guy that horrifies people like Todd the Corpse. Mm -hmm. Todd the Corpse, genuinely decent, upstanding Christian teacher, Sunday school, tries to uh, bring, I don't know, some sort of light into the, the lives of young people. James Dobson is, is the guy who just horrifies him and makes his skin crawl because he just gets a black eye to all that. But, um,. But uh, Dobson actually said at the beginning of the you know the, the, you know the primary season, and then later on he wouldn't vote for McCain. Dobson actually said he would instruct his followers or his whatever his folks to stay home if McCain was the candidate. So it's interesting now that he's you know he's kind of changed his tune now that Barack Obama is the opposition, and that they send Sarah Palin to talk to him. Because McCain is very moderate, and one might even say liberal on some social issues. She also uses the terms like prayer warrior. 
and intercession. So uh, apparently the people at the uh, the core of this party might enjoy that. Did she say any of this in tongues? Please tell me. Seriously, I'll g- I have a I'll give a huge stack of crap from the big prize closet upstairs. Somebody can dig up any audio of Sarah Palin speaking in tongues. Do we have audio of anybody speaking in tongues? And I don't mean like as a goof. Like, is there audio of, a, of an actual Pentecostal Christian type speaking in tongues somewhere? Have you ever heard it? Has anybody ever heard somebody speaking in tongues? Maybe we had some weekend show somewhere along the line that we did. Yes, we did, Tim. I've seen it on, like, the Bible Thumper Network. Oh, man, it's it. it's freaky. My mom used to do that crap. Really? Oh, totally. My mom, God love her. I love my mother. I really do. She uh, she is a, she's a sainted woman. She really is. But my mom went through a phase uh, when I was younger, ending when I was, uh, I don't know, when I was sort of uh, at the end of my teenage years, she got better. But when I was growing up, my mom was a very, very hardcore I would say nutty Christian. I mean, there's no other way to put it. She was, she was, she was nuts. Um, and it was, you know, because marriage to my dad falling apart, and the church told her she couldn't leave, and so she just, you know, you know, clung more and more to God under this notion somehow that God would save her from marrying this dick, uh, you know, that she did. Um, and yeah, by the way, we should know that God solved none of those problems. What finally solved those problems was just kicking my dad to the curb. So you well, know, I don't like, think God goes that far up in the, the state of Washington. <laughs> no. So if you're playing the home game, uh, always bet on just kicking the guy out. Don't bet on Jesus. That he doesn't work. He may go work. as far as Roseburg, but I'm not sure if he travels any further. <laughs> um, he branches. He, he branches at the franchises. Anyway, but so my mom would have these prayer groups at the house, and I, I please, I'm not, not, not knocking on my mom. I love my mom, and she really is a saint. But she went through this uh, sort of dark place in her life where she felt that embracing this very extreme version of Christianity was going to solve all of her problems. And she would have these prayer groups over at our home, and they were all, everybody who came to the prayer group, they were all really scary, but not in... Like, they didn't look, you know, they were very sort of clean cut and, you know, very sort of professional looking folks. They didn't look outwardly weird, but you could just tell there was just a freaky vibe about them. And even as a little kid, I mean, it must have been five or six, I could tell there was something just not right. I could tell they were just, you ever find people, they just give you the creeps. I mean, and I'm not, you know, I don't. Any Catholic priest, really. Well, I don't hold with, like, superstition and people having auras and all that, but let's, you know, you meet people that they make you feel weird. You just around and you're like, you know, there's something about that guy. He just creeps me out. And that was my mom's prayer group. And I remember being sick one time. I was about, again, I must have been maybe six or seven. And I had a real bad, like, I had a, a cold or I had the flu, but I was real sick. Uh, I remember, you know, your throat gets all swollen up and whatever. And my mom had this idea that, you know, I didn't seem to be getting any better. And she was giving me, like, aspirin or whatever, and it wasn't helping. And so she decided the prayer group was going to lay hands on me. I remember this just like it was yesterday. So they take me into the front room of my house, and they had Bible verses. The one little detail I remember is there was this guy. I can't remember his name, but he looked kind of like political consultant Ed Rollins, if you've ever seen him. And he would bring Bible verses that they would all pass around and read. And the Bible verses were on one of the very earliest printer printers and it was a dot matrix printer with that paper that had the holes down the side that oh, you would have to rip one, off yeah. the yeah green and white lined it was supposed to make everything more convenient but it took twice as much time totally yeah. green and white lined computer paper with the little perforated tear things you know in the in the the margins of the tear off. and they would have bible verses that's the thing i remember but then taking me to the front room of my house and my mom holding me like kind of on her lap with her arms around me well it gives me you guys my skin crawl to think about it, with this freaky bald guy with a white beard and the kind of a Burl Ives looking guy puts his right hand on my forehead 
and holds my hand with his left hand. So he's got, you know, holding one of my hands and his other hand is on my forehead. And then he starts doing the speaking in tongues thing. And I'm, and it's freaky now to see grown adults, to see actual grown-up people who ought to be beyond believing in imaginary friends talking in a made-up language that they are claiming is coming from Jesus. It's weird enough to have some guy doing that. And then my mom joins in doing it, and they're both doing it. And I get that even now it's weird. When you're six years old, it's scary. And I don't mean scary like in a kooky way, like it's scary. I mean, it that was... That sounds like it would be scary. It was horrifying. And my mom, who, bless her, is just looking for answers or some sort of peace in her life at that point, is so brainwashed by these bastards that she's talking in some gibberish, and I'm six years old not knowing what the hell is going on. They don't bother to explain it to me. And, I mean, and then they, like, pack me back off to bed. I didn't get better, by the way. So, you know... Anyway, it's just that the whole thing is freaky. So, what was the guy's name? I don't remember his name. I can picture him, but I don't know his name. Uh, his name was, his name was John. His first name was John. I won't say his last. His whole name just came to me actually. His first name was John, and he owned uh, a large appliance store in my hometown. And I'll just say that his name was John. He owned an appliance store. Looked like Burl Ives. But so you know, so Sarah Palin belongs, or at least belonged until it became politically non-expedient to one of these churches where they do this. And James Dobson and his ilk, I think, uh, they believe in speaking in tongues. So it's interesting when she talks about God interceding in the election. Also, when she says she's going to put the election in God's hands. Logistically speaking, what does that mean? Does that mean that there's some guy right now and he's got the pencil over the thing, the little bubble that says Barack and, like, the power of Jesus is going to, like, stop? Seriously, it'll be like that thing in the Adams Family pinball game, the the power that turns on and moves the ball around. God is going to move his hand over uh, over to the McCain side. I'd be curious to know what it means for God to intercede in the election in some way. I'd like some clarification on that. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack the whole thing. Yeah, here's Tim Riley. Story number two. When the Republican Party decided to coordinate expenses with John McCain's presidential campaign, they knew it would have to be color-coordinated. The Republican National Committee spent about $150,000 on clothing, hairstyling, makeup, and other campaign accessories for Sarah Palin. The McCain, uh, McCain campaign now says the clothing will go to a charitable purpose after the campaign. The expenses include $75,062 spent at Newman Marcus in Minneapolis, $41,850 in St. Louis early September. The committee also reported $4,100 to makeup, which Sarah says is bad anyway, and expenses have uh, been reported publicly. They also spent $4,902 at Attila, a stylish men's clothing store in New York. Other purchases include a $92 romper and matching hat with ears for Palin's baby Trig. A this was spent at a baby store. And so they've got and so a bunch of this is not just for her, but it's for her family. Yes. First of all, putting that husband in a five thousand putting that husband in it like a, a Brooks Brothers isn't gonna help. You Probably can't polish a potato. You know what I mean? Seriously. So there's nothing I you can do. See what kind of, where did where did she get her makeup, Tim? Did it say? It, uh, let's see here. Is she a Mac girl? It doesn't say. No, I like her foundation because she like during that like during when she was doing the you know her speech or whatever for the VP debates like she did not sweat for a second. I was kind of wondering I'm like what makeup is she wearing? I was actually going to ask you, Sarah, because you're a stylish person, what you thought of Sarah Palin's makeup. Oh, I think her ro- or her blush is hideous. Too like, much. 
Absolutely. Like she's trying to she's trying to make it look like she has more cheekbones than she has, so she's doing that over accentuating thing where she like basically paints red stripes. Now is that what face. blush is supposed to do? Is that to, what is blush supposed to do? What is well, the you can have to like put it you know on like the apples of your cheeks and right. make you look uh, more sun kissed, or you can put a darker underneath your cheekbones to make it look like it's more accented that your that your face is thinner. Yeah. See, see, I didn't know any of these things. Yeah. All right. Oh, makeup's mm. fun. Well, see, because but, she I... was, but her yeah her her. She, her mascara is all wrong. Her blush is all wrong. Her lipstick is bad. Like the only thing that I, I think looks good on her is her skin. I mean, imagine how weird it must look in person. Because on TV, you you know, makeup vanishes a lot on TV. In other words, I mean, we've all done TV where you, you know, in the studio you look like a clown. Mm-hmm. You know, and then on TV, hopefully you look you look normal or whatever. Um, but her makeup does look a little extreme. Although, have you noticed that they softened her hairstyle from when she first came out, like what two months ago or whatever? Uh, her hairstyle is now not quite as beehivey as it was. It had that weird. Yeah, it was really tight and big on and the high. Head. It was like an '80s dynasty kind of a thing. But now it's uh, it's a little more Jennifer Aniston looking. I will say that I was watching. Let's see, I mean, it was a good time to do this. We are on the Palin Watch, which I'll close yeah. out with one of our Palin Watch submissions. Couple notes from last night. Um, couple things. First of all, I have to say this in Sarah Palin's defense. It was difficult for my mouth to form those words. In Sarah Palin's defense. There is, I mean, we could just say that I think there is a little bit of a bias happening on some of these things because that that thing that Joe Biden said about, uh, you know, mark my words, which you would think they would just stick that guy in a cage. Yeah. I mean, both of them. I mean, I think Biden and Palin both need to go to a timeout room somewhere. They need to go to what the what the the nut house they call the quiet room for a while. Because they clearly are just not controllable by their party or by the guy at the top of the ticket. So Palin opens her mouth and says all these gibberish about the the, the anti-gay constitutional amendment. And then Biden opens his trap and says, well, you know, if Barack Obama is elected president, there's going to be an international crisis within six months. They'll test him. You know, they'll test him. Which is uh, just in terms of political expediency seems like a dumb thing to say and sounds a little crazy regardless. Yes. So you think they'd shut Joe Biden up. But I do think if Sarah Palin had made that statement... I mean, I can say this. If Sarah Palin had said, look, if you vote for Barack Obama, there's going to be an international crisis within six months, they would have crucified her. I'm man enough to admit that. That is a little bit of liberal bias on the part of the media. I'm telling you right now. If Sarah Palin had had essentially passively threatened that there's going to be an international crisis at Barack Obama, they man, they would have eaten her lunch. They would have taken her out to the woodshed and beaten her senseless. I think Which, she said that, but I don't think she has though. I, I don't think I read that somewhere. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, if if she had said what Joe Biden had said, they would have just they would have excoriated her. So they are giving Biden a pass on that, which I think is a little unfair. Um, other things about Sarah Palin, I was watching her on Anderson Cooper being interviewed by whoever, some guy, some uh, some emasculated eunuch of a reporter. And he was sitting there talking to her. She really is just so strangely hypnotic. She was talking last night, and I just found myself being lulled into this just sort of happy haze by watching her. And then I noticed she's got these earrings that have this blinky thing going on. Have you noticed that she's got like this Kreskin's crystal earring ensemble she wears? And as she's being interviewed, the earrings rock back and forth like that thing where the, you know, where the hypnotist goes, you're getting sleepy, and he waves the shiny thing in front of you. Her earrings do that. And I think she's got some weird light-up pendulum earring thing that they hook her up with, so that when I watch it, it just sort of puts me into like a fugue state. Maybe that's the in-God's-hands part. Maybe. Uh, so there's that. Let's see, what else? That's something else to say. Oh, two more thoughts, and then we'll continue here. On KCMD Portland, one thought is, I think that Sarah Palin may in fact be some kind of virus. And here's the reason I say that. Because then it seem like Sarah Palin adapts really quickly to weaknesses 
uh, in her strategy or in her abilities. Because, you know, she went on Katie Couric and, you know, she, she just sucked. I mean, she just came up with brains of a, of a potted plant. And then last night she was still talking about Joe the Plumber, who was discredited days ago. But but the guy was throwing questions at her, and she was coming back with, like, figures and numbers and facts and specifics and footnotes and bullet points. I mean, way better than the Katie Couric thing. So I think it's I think Sarah Palin is like the Terminator in T2, where the, the T-1000... Um, puts the spike right through Arnold Schwarzenegger and he he dies, but then they go to that thing inside of his brain where the, the, his his electrical system is rerouting the power around the damaged part of his body, and then he can continue. I think Sarah Palin is like that. You beat her back, and then she adapts and she comes back stronger. I think she is some weird adapting organism that's sort of disguised as a human being. But she never learns anything. She just learns how to recite it better. Well, no, she's dense. I mean, yeah. let's have no. Well, she's a politician. She doesn't have to be smart. Let's not confuse her with a, with a thinker in any way. So there's that. And my final note is really my wife's note. Have you noticed this, that the news organizations all use Sarah Palin as the sort of catnip to keep you watching all night yeah. long? Because she is the thing. She's the guarantees. She is the carrot at the end of the stick. Anderson Cooper. All night was like, coming up, we'll have more from Sarah Palin. We sat down for an exclusive interview with the vice presidential candidate. We'll tell you what she said. But first... Our ten villains of the economic collapse. And they keep using that Sarah Palin thing throughout the night to sort of like lull you along and to keep you watching. And it's because they, I think they did something really smart with her by not letting her talk to anybody, not giving her any press conferences. Because now when she does talk to somebody, everybody watches it because we're fascinated by her. And by shielding her from us, they have kept that fascination alive. I mean, if we look, if she was on 24, if there was hot and cold running Sarah Palin on TV, we'd all be sick to the teeth of her. I mean, it, it, I mean, everybody does find her a very compelling figure, and it's only because they don't ever let us see her too much. And so Lara boiled it down. God bless her. My my intelligent wife made this statement. She said, "Sarah Palin is one of those rules girls." Remember that book, The Rules, that came out? Sarah, was this before your time? No, no, I remember you talking about it. I never read it. It's, so it is, it's sort of a cultural phenomenon, I think, a few years too early for you. But The Rules was this sort of guide for women on how to, like, catch and keep a man. And it was all of this very simple, very specific instruction on how you could get a guy to be into you. And one of those things was, don't be too available. It was like, it literally had formulas, like return one out of four calls. You know, if a guy calls you four times, you respond once. It said, don't ever be available on a Friday or Saturday night. Don't answer the phone. It was like Lycus, basically. In fact, Lycus 101, he will tell you this, Lycus 101 was created as a male response to the rules. Okay. There's things like don't answer the phone after 8 p.m., uh, you know, except one out of every two dates. Turn him down half the time. And the whole deal was you don't make yourself too available because the more you pull back, the more the guy wants you. Sarah Palin is a rules girl. That's what they do. They don't get, you know, people keep asking to talk to her, and they kind of, they say yes sometimes, but they deny about 80% of the time. That's, so we are, she really is playing hard to get. I mean, it really, she has taken the rules of dating, and she has brought them to the political world. So, I can't take credit for that. That was my wife. Here's Tim Riley. We now return to more Sarah Palin stories. Excellent. Governor Sarah Palin charged the state for her children to travel with her. This is the state of Alaska. Including events which they were not invited, and later amended expense reports to specify that they were on official business. The charges include costs for hotel and commercial flights for three daughters to join Palin to watch their father in a snowmobile race, a trip to New York City. That's not small-town America by any means. That's New York City, where the governor attended a five-hour conference and stayed with 17-year-old Bristol for five days and four nights 
at a luxury hotel, as city people will do. In all, Palin has charged the state of Alaska $21,012 for her three daughters, 64 one-way and 12 round-trip commercial flights, since she took office in December 2006. And some other cases, she was charging the state for hotel rooms for the girls. By the way, the best part about this is that I think she or one of her henchmen went back and altered the forms after the fact. Mm-hmm. When people started asking, like, what's this about us flying your kid out to go to a pony show or something? As she went back and penciled, like, official state business, just falsified it up mm-hmm. and stuck it right in the file. Excellent. Now more Sarah Palin stories. <laughs> Well, Republican Vice Presidential Candidate Sarah Palin spent some time yesterday fielding questions from elementary school children in Denver. One third grader asked uh, Governor Palin what the vice president actually does. Her answer was upbeat, but completely wrong. A vice president has a really great job because not only are they there to support the president's agenda, they're like the team member, the teammate to that president, but also they're in charge of the United States Senate. Wrong. (laughs) The vice president of the United States is actually far from being in charge of the Senate. Article 1 of the Constitution states, the vice president of the United States should be president of the Senate, but she'll have no vote unless... They be equally divided. So she's not only not smarter than a fifth grader, she is in fact dumber than a third grader. Yes. That's wonderful. Right. And now, another Sarah Palin story. Excellent. Vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin said the McCain-Palin White House will improve health care and invest in the future. She will help all of us be able to afford good health care. We're going to help our students pay for college. Okay. You're the chorus of female screams. Mm -hmm. Weird. Chicks dig her, Sarah. She's got a vagina, you know. I heard she has five kids. She's just like most women. Here's Tim Riley. That's enough Sarah Palin stories for now. Let me close out the uh, Palin Watch with the... uh, Oh, I'm sorry, that's me. Let me uh, turn this off, and then we'll uh, close out the Palin Watch. Rates were... I'm sorry. John McCain has already tapped me and said, that's where I want you. With a fan... It was John McCain who pushed so hard. No, I used to be a bad girl. I got busy in the bathroom at my high school prom. The chant is drill, baby, drill. Fantastic. That's like the longest thing ever. I know, it really is. I could have gone Honestly, down the whole way. that was like two minutes long. Yeah, no. I know. Well, look, it's okay, my own fault. Me. I, have, I, I have no one but myself to blame. I never bothered to make another I one. I like that. No offense to whoever made that, but I like the other one better. The other one's better. The other one's hilarious because it just doesn't make any sense. Can we play that one, too? Let me play the That's other the one. Scotty J one. You know, to be fair, I kind of zoned out during that Palin I, I went to a happy place inside for a while. All right. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and... I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. I had five children. She has five. Sisters doing it for themselves, Sarah. I barely knew her. From Alaska. From Alaska. There was that honeymoon period where it looked like she could do no wrong. From Alaska. From Alaska. I barely knew her. Sisters doing it for themselves, Sarah. Yeah. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and I'm a hockey mom. I had five children. I barely knew her. No, it's it's so true. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now it's time for a story that's not about Sarah Palin. Excellent. She's running with someone named John McCain, and he's trying to make people in Pennsylvania feel better that they are not rednecks. 
He is responding to John Murtha's recent Redneck reference to those who live in Pennsylvania. Here he is speaking to Rednecks. I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. What? 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 Wait. Oh, wait. Let's back up for a second. Okay. I don't understand. <laughs> so, Biden's been speaking about the people of western Pennsylvania saying they're a bunch of rednecks. Now, is it Biden who said that? I believe it was Biden. Okay. Yeah, it's Biden. And he said people in where? Rednecks, and they're racist in western Pennsylvania. Okay. So he said that. We know that on record. So here's McCain responding to the redneck reference. I'll play this one more time. I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That's really it? <laughs> that is really it. I'm reading the story as it is. What is that? Don't look at me, sister. <laughs> this is not, we're in uncharted territory, Sarah. I I don't really that know. That's why they go through the story. Please to explain. Wait, so were they booing him? Is that why he was saying I couldn't? I don't know. It sounded like they were booing the fact that. I don't know, man. I <laughs> I, I feel like maybe somebody got his cue cards mixed up. I think right, exactly. I wish we had the crowd response. I want to know how they. Is, <laughs> is there any context to give it? In other words, do you have it the sentence that came before or after oh, that? Here we go. He did blow the opening line, which was supposed to be attack on John McCain's redneck reference. I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about Western Pennsylvania lately. And you know. I couldn't agree with them more. <laughs> I That's I don't awesome. I don't know what that means. No, he said that he it's saying in the context of that he blew the opening line. That was oh, okay. the opening line. All right, but I mean, but he, what, I guess what I'm saying, what was the opening line supposed to I be? Though disagree with him more. I disagree with him more. <laughs> not agree. Oh, I re okay. He's not, so it was he's just not agreeing that he. That Western Pennsylvania is full of rednecks and racists. Okay, see, no, but see, I was giving him too much credit here because I thought maybe, I thought maybe instead of swapping out disagree and agree, uh -huh. I thought maybe he was going to try to be like too clever by half and say, uh, you know, they've been saying some pretty nasty things. I couldn't agree more. Ba ba ba. We are rednecks. Something. I think he was going to go like he was going to play a Toby Keith. Yeah, like the redneck pride card. You know what I mean? I thought he. That's what he was going to do. I thought he was going to go for the like the he embrace your redneck. He deal. couldn't pass himself off as a redneck. I couldn't agree with him more. Palin's passing herself off as qualified. Oh, that's true. I mean, so so he was really. They were just trying to get him to read. He, in other words, he didn't have to be clever. Right. He didn't have to pass off some inside joke like or a him, you know, double we were, meaning. We were really, recording that thing, and he's just you know telling people to. You know, it's like a weird wording, right? Like it's, it's, he kept actually saying, like, not to vote, but it's like to vote. So all he, he actually like, had to do was read the words in the correct order. <laughs> and I couldn't disagree with him more. Rates were in the, cut in the Bush years. Oh, yeah. he's going downhill. I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about Western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. Run up and balance the federal budget by the end of my term in office. Across, across this 
across this country, this is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners. Rates were in the cut in the Bush years. You know, I got to tell you, I'm going to miss it when this election is over. Here's the thing, though. I mean, glass half full. If he if he gets elected, you know oh, those. Oh, don't don't be great. I'm saying, you know that that George Bushism of the day calendar that's in the kitchen here, where it's like every day it's some other retarded thing that Bush said. I, I'm saying we might be able to just, you know. That's little Dick Sergeant Dick York right there. We, we might be able to swap out one for another. This will be just like when uh, Brian Johnson replaced Bon Scott in ACDC. We'll get rid of one guy who can't talk and replace him with... Rates were in the, cut in the Bush years. Oh, that's fantastic. I love this country. I really do. Just with God. everything in me. I would pay $10 to hear the crowd reaction. Well, after that's that my could, thing. I wonder it was clipped. What did, what did the, so mean. What did the crowd say after that? It was clipped right there. Uh, let's see. This email says, Rick... I think I finally figured out your odd taste in women, especially those um, so old that no man your age would find them sexy. Earlier in today's show, you mentioned something like Sarah Palin could talk me into almost. I think it's from yesterday. He said you could. You said Sarah Palin could talk me into almost that anything. Every day, right? <laughs> I I have said that. God help me, she was just transfixing again last night on the television. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. Uh, he says Diane Weist. Uh, falls into this category, maybe Glenn Close as well. They could be hot if you were in fourth grade and if they were your teacher. I figured it out. You are just hot for teacher and older women in a position of power. Uh, I love the show. Best show ever. Well, I can't really deny that. I uh, I don't think I've ever made a secret of it. This is, I find powerful chicks to be hot. And it's and I think this is... And, and I will also say this. I think this is a trait that I do share uh, with women uh, to some degree because... I mean, look, we all know this is true. You tell you get a guy who's maybe kind of attractive, or you know, even get a guy who's just flat out homely. But you give that guy a guitar, you put him on stage. He's singing a great song. He's, I don't know, he's he's rich. He runs a company. He's the president. Whatever doesn't matter. You can take a guy who's not all that, and you, you put him in the right sort of context and give him the right kind of power. Chicks beyond him like green on grass. And I am sort of that way. I've known, um, not here, but when I lived, I. I I won't give anything. I, I'll just say that when I was when I was in Utah, there was a woman I knew when I lived in Utah, who was a uh, a musician. She was a singer songwriter, not conventionally beautiful. I mean, she wasn't ugly, but it was very plain looking. She was uh, what they, what they used to call kind of a mousy looking girl. It was not not very pretty. But I tell you what, I went to see her perform one night, and she got up on stage, just her and a guitar, and she opened her mouth, and just this angelic voice came out, and just these amazing songs. And she just became utterly and totally beautiful. Uh, and I know that's not typically a guy thing. Guys typically don't care if you're talented, funny, if you're smart. Guys don't care if you have money. Guys just care if you're hot. And then, I mean, I can see that. I can sort of understand that. But this girl was just such a beautiful voice and an amazing songwriter. And was just so talented as a musician that she just became really, really uh, gorgeous to me. But it really is the same thing. I do find powerful women to be really hot. And they don't... That makes up for myriad... Uh, the physical failings in the attractiveness department. If you're, if you're there, and I think I speak for a lot of guys when I say this: biggest turnoff in terms of personality. I'm not talking physically now. Single biggest turnoff in a woman is neediness. Man, there is nothing that will turn a guy off faster than if you are a needy woman. Uh, this is like instant buzzkill. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, women who are successful, powerful, kind of have that great uh, air of gravitas, that kind of authority air. Uh, I that is it is really flat out scorchingly hot to me. So that probably is a big part of the Sarah Palin thing. All right, here's Tim Riley. 
And now another John McCain soundbite. Excellent. This time he's in Goffstown, New Hampshire. And Godstown? Goffstown. Oh. Goffstown? Goffstown. Is Goffstown next to Godtown? It's a, do they have like a shirts and skins basketball tournament at some point? Well, he told the townspeople he's going to come back. It doesn't matter what the pundits think or how confident my opponent is. The people of New Hampshire make their own decisions. And more than once, they've ignored the polls and the pundits and brought me across the finish line first. Pundits has one end. That's the last warning you're going to get. Jesus. All right. Here's Tim Riley. You may be wondering what Bob Barker's up to today. He joined an L.A. City Councilman asking the L.A. Zoo to cease construction of a $40 million elephant exhibit. He says uh, the elephant should be separate from the other animals. We will have an elephant exhibit here in Los Angeles under the direction of our Los Angeles Zoo. But beyond that, this will undoubtedly change the way elephants are presented in exhibit all over the United States. I love Bob Barker. Barker. I barely knew her. Uh, tourists appreciate elephants. Tourists to Los Angeles will be charmed with this sanctuary. They can go there and they will see elephants living the way nature intended elephants to live. Oh, that's wonderful. How great is that guy? Uh, apparently, in just a moment, we have some exciting audio that we're going to play. Yes. Two things. One, well, let me back up. This is a preamble. Zero. Don't forget, less than two weeks from tonight, Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., uh, the Rick Emerson Show Political Party will be happening at Grand Central Bowl. Matthew Barra Fine sponsors Taboo Adult Video and Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing, also in conjunction with the Willamette Week and uh, uh, the Oregon Bus Project. So we are going to be there uh, for, the, for the duration, starting at 7 o'clock until everything is wrapped up. Grand Central Bowl is a great place. They have a million TVs, a bunch of levels, uh, you know, to hang out. There's lots of, you know, it's a multi-level place. Uh, couches, chairs, seats, everything. Lots of viewing areas. Uh, electronic, uh, you know, I mean, the electronics are brand new. The sound system. Again, there's big screen TVs everywhere, high definition, flat screen TVs. And then Tim Riley will be broadcasting live from that event. Tim Riley will be there at the AM970 Mobile Newsroom broadcasting election results live throughout the night on this station and broadcasting on the CNN radio network across the United States as well. So that is less than two weeks away. Rick Emerson's political party happening Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m. Before we get to this soundbite, so as part of that, yes. I am really going to be sad in, in, in some perverse way when this is all over because it's just gold every day. Gold Every day. And for people who, you know, you know, it's a political show. We're talking too much about politics. First of all, everybody's talking about politics. Yes. Especially in Portland. Second of all, uh, you know, we're not slacking in the boob department. Mr. Skin coming up later on today. We, we'll bring you boobs. There will you give the people boobs, be Rick. boobs. Yes, I do. Rick Emerson is boobs. Much more American. I guess I'm not really boobs. That would be like uh, Jordan Baker being Mitchell. Rick Emerson is boobs. So, but it is gold every day for this. Did you see Sarah Palin last night? This is the last thing we'll say about her for a while. When she was on that Anderson Cooper interview, and she was citing Joe the Plumber like he was Socrates. Like, yeah. he, like she said, whoever the guy's name was, the guy's name was Bob. She said, well, Bob, I mean, in terms of the economy, um, I think it was Joe the Plumber who said that really an infusion of capital is what is needed at this point. And she said it like you might go... Well, I think it was H.O. Mencken who first made the statement about, uh, you know, the importance of the electorate in terms of uh, picking our uh, our leaders. It's almost as if Anderson Cooper was interviewing uh, that Faye girl who's putting on an 
Right. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but it, it was just weird to hear Joe the Plumber referenced as a site. You know what I mean? Like he was an actual, as though she was saying, well, according to this study from the uh, American Clinicians Association, they found that uh, in 85% of the cases, this sort of pathology is, is present. She didn't, it, she said in the same tone of voice, well, you know, Joe the Plumber believes that. Joe the Plumber is the new E.F. Hutton. Who will soon be on Mount Rushmore. Yes. Uh, and finally, before we play this longer version of the uh, McCain thing, speaking of audio, I forgot to pull it last night. Did you see Obama giving that weird speech where he kept talking about wanting pie? No, I didn't see the pie thing. Oh, it's wonderful. Not as good as the, the McCain stuff today. There's no point in playing it now. But Obama, it was more in his delivery. It just sounded a little surreal when he was, he was talking about, um, you know, we're just talking about divvying up the pie, spreading the pie out. You know, right now the rich, they got the majority of the pie. And I can tell you, we all here, we all want some pie. And it was like the weird, and he just kept saying it. He just kept saying, I want pie. Who wants pie? <laughs> pie forever. Can we get some pie? And it was like he said it a hundred times. Sounds like he belongs to a Marie Callender commercial. Laura and I, and let me just say, stone cold sober. Not drunk, not stoned, not loopy from lack of sleep. <laughs> About the fifth time that Obama said, and we all want some pie. And this, <laughs> I fell off the sofa laughing. It was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Apparently, though, not as funny as what we're about to play from John McCain. Zing. So this is the same soundbite we had a few minutes ago, and I guess with the crowd reaction, that's not cut off. All right, so this is John McCain speaking in West Pennsylvania. I All guess right. so. Yeah, in, and, yeah, in Moon, Excellent. Pennsylvania. All right. Moon. Oh. Is that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about Western Pennsylvania lately. And, you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most, most patriotic part of America. And this is a great part of the country. You know what? It's a you know what that, that applause there? That's throwing him a rope applause. That's that's a whole lot of like, look, throw him, give him something. Agree. I couldn't just, oh, God, I'm the way he's taking himself out of it. Yeah. That's a, that applause there. Is like well, pretty nasty things machine. about Western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania <laughs> oh is the most patriotic, most loving, most, most patriotic part of America. And this is a great part of the country. Yeah, that applause is just because they know it's not going to get any better, and they're trying to end it. That's like, uh, that's like when you're doing audio production, and you have two little, you know, two pieces of sound that don't quite work, and so you crossfade or you put a sound effect between them. Here's a perfect example. You know what that's like? If you listen to our Mike O'Mara promos here, uh, you will hear a. Um, I don't want to play because it it's, it's too long to get to the point. But if you listen to our Mike O'Mara promos, where it says the Mike O'Mara show, blah blah blah. It actually, what we do there is we take two separate show segments. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Jewel here who does the, uh, the the production of those. And he takes two separate show segments from, you know, unrelated shows. And together those make a 60-second promo. But to cover up the edit point between the first segment and the second segment, there's a little sound effect. It sounds like a little bewitched I Dream of Genie sound. And that's put there to cover the seam between the two. That's what that applause is right there. That applause is there to sort of just cover up that whole debacle and move along to the next sentence smoothly. Can we play that one more time? Yes. No. Yes. No. 
What? In case I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about Western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. Wow. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most, most patriotic part of America. This is a great part of the country. That's you know, when he was speaking there and trying to trying to dig himself out of that linguistic hole, you know what just kept going through my head was that fool me, don't don't get fooled again. It's that that's what it sounds like. It mm. sounds it is like on the bushy and level. Oh, man. Just how, you know... Really, we win either way with this election. That's how I'm looking at it. Oh, you know what I mean? No, I've look, never had a better time. I, that's what I'm saying. Well, first of all, this election is fantastic. This is the it's great, Kevin. This is the first day. one I've really enjoyed. It's the, been the best entertainment <laughs> ever. I mean, it's... A, Honestly, it really has been. People need to take a step back and laugh a little. That's uh, that's the thing. That's really what it is. You've got to just enjoy the theater of it. I mean, you got to realize, first of all, that there's no there's no one guy who can fix everything. That's just not no one guy that can fix the country. Having said, no one guy can wreck all the country. I mean, George W. Bush is no great shakes as as uh, you know, businessman, uh, leader, thinker, speaker, anything like that. It takes more than one guy to ruin stuff. It takes more than one guy to fix stuff. So just like George W. Bush didn't ruin the country by himself, although that is a, that is a thing that is popular to believe. Barack Obama is not going to fix everything by himself. He probably won't fix anything. Period. But uh, so, but that being said. Either way this election goes, A, it's unbelievably entertaining. Because you got to get a step back, as I said, and realize that the, the president is in many ways eh, kind of an impotent figure. This is very much a figurehead. Can do some damage, can do some good. The system is really just so entrenched that they can't change things a whole lot. I so, think just about everything's broken by now. Exactly. So you got to just got to get arm's length, as Sarah said, and just watch it for the spectacle that it is. Just for the, just the unbelievable theater of it. And every single day now, there's some insanity that comes out. Rates were cut in the, cut in the Bush years. Something happens that is just, uh, you would not believe. I mean, it really, we've gone so beyond Bullworth, so beyond the American president, so beyond the candidate, so, bo so beyond the seduction of Joe Tynan, any of those political movies, primary colors. The reality has just so far outstripped any of the fiction that's ever been written about any <laughs> political uh, campaign ever. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, look at it this way. If Obama wins, then you're going to have a president you're not embarrassed by. Let's just say it. You're going to have an, a president that you'll be proud to have him talk to people. You know why? Because he can talk. Uh, I mean, the, the policies aside, he's not going to uh, trip and fall, either physically or linguistically. He, You know, he can string together a sentence. He has an air of authority and competence, which our current president does not. You know, you know, you you're not going to put him behind the microphone and then just sit there and like preemptively cringe the whole time, like oh god. It's like when your kid gets up at the school Christmas pageant and you're waiting for him to like wet himself or something on stage or whatever. Say Baba Booey. You're not going to worry about that with Obama. He's not going to embarrass you. And I think that was actually the wasn't that the slogan that Bob Dole ran on? It was either Dole. No, it, no, it was W. When because W came after Monica Lewinsky. After the, the Lewinsky thing, W ran one of the smartest things George Bush ever did, or the people around him. He said, I will not embarrass you as president. Now, of course, that was really unbelievably inaccurate. Um, couldn't have been more wrong. But that was his, his response to Clinton. I won't embarrass you. 
Barack Obama will not embarrass us. So that's a win there. But you know if it's McCain, man, man, that's a that's a that's a fresh malapropism every day. That's like a word of the day thing that arrives in your inbox, except it's like a mangled sentence of the day. These are good times. I am so glad that I'm alive right now. And you don't hear me say that a lot, ever, at all, like either in a specific or a general sense. You almost never hear me say, boy, am I glad I'm alive and breathing every day. But right now, man, this is as good as it gets, this election. You could, ah. Yeah, I can't say anything more about it. I want to pick this election up and just hug it like a, like a small, adorable Muppet in a Dickensian novel. All right. Who loves this election? Me. Sarah? You know, I didn't in the beginning, but I... Race worked in the cut in the bush years. Right there, that's what's making you like. You've come around. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most, most patriotic part of America. This is a great part of the country. Not quite sure what I'm saying. People uh, are such morons. They really are. <laughs> Their faces are pretty priceless behind him. There's this girl, and she's like... <laughs> clap? Don't clap. I, Should I clap? Should I laugh? You know, it's there's a joke. No applause sign there to uh, no applause sign there to tell them when something is clap worthy. Oh man! Dude, did you see that clip um, that circulating on the internet uh, from Family Guy? When oh, the Nazi, Nazi thing. Yeah. yeah. That's you know you like to see people come out and just use a bludgeon like that. Seriously. That's wonderful. All I'm right, gonna I'm gonna it. play us in the break here. Cut so I can play it at home. Okay. Just over and over to yes. amuse yourself. Yes. Whenever you need a good laugh. All right. Thank you. You know the one I'm gonna be uh, the one I'm gonna be playing at home is this the uh... rates were in the cut in the Bush years. Rates were in the cut in the Bush years. By the way, he does apparently have a predilection for using that word. Because mm -hmm. there's that story in Rolling Stone that he called his wife that uh, uh, in a press conference. But somebody I sent me... slapped him silly after he did that. I, you wouldn't want to screw with that woman, no. man. No. She will, she will steal your blood while you sleep and bathe in it. I mean, she will torture him in her own Hanoi Hilton that she's built that... Oh, never mind. <laughs> That's the news department of CBS with that opinion. Rates were in the cut right. in the bush. Uh, I'm going to play us from the break here with something that I meant to play the other day. I, I know I'm supposed to be playing the Chinese democracy single here, Guns N' Roses. We'll do that. Here's what's coming up in the next half hour. More from Tim Riley, Peter Carlin from the Oregonian. We're talking Mad Men, also The Shield. Later on, Mr. Skin, Jim Roop, and uh, we'll do our exit poll. We'll do an exit poll this hour. But I'm going to play us from the break with the latest uh, submission from our good friend Benjamin. Benjamin did Borderline Baby. Uh, which is uh, you know a big hit with the with the people. He also created the uh, It's Rick song, which we'll play as we get closer to Halloween. That song is really cool. I'll play it next week. Uh, this, however, is the latest from our good friend Benjamin the Bard in the mighty southeast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the political nihilist anthem uh, by Benjamin the Bard on uh, the Rick Emerson radio program. Stay right there. It's all in. 
Emerson Radio Program. Tim just showed me that uh, looks like Cindy McCain in the background is preparing for another night of beatings at the house. After he said that, Warren. Another night in the fruit cellar, John. Who were you thinking about when you said that, John? Rates were in the cut in the bush years. Yeah. All right. You know, the, the thing about that I couldn't agree, disagree more, and that is the painful 10 seconds, which seems like an eternity as he's trying to dig himself out. They should quit trying to write clever things for him to say. That's the problem. Stop with the wordplay and the sort of floating opposites, the way that you structure the speech. Just write, you know, Barack bad, McCain good, fire, you know, or whatever. Just, I mean, just boil it down to a few primary colors. Barack hate Jesus. <laughs> That should be their new. That should be their new campaign ad. They keep repeating it three times. Totally. There, there should be. Uh, they, they should absolutely. Do it. And there should be one where they attack Barack's love of newfangled. Uh, Barack Obama in sky and fancy flying machine violate God's rule. He he no like. <laughs> and the people of Western Pennsylvania applaud and go wild. Do not want. All right. I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, so uh, Cindy McCain. But they got to quit trying to be clever with him. they just got to write it straight ahead. He just keeps flubbing it. Because he keeps screwing it up. They keep handing him these lines. He keeps blowing it. Uh, maybe well, they're doing it on purpose. Just I don't for know. a few yucks. Maybe, well, but do you think maybe they realize it's lost and so there's like a drinking game? Like, look, let's be, see, if I can get him, uh, see if I can get him to say this. Let's see if I can get the crowd to applaud this terribly blown line. And watch Cindy's face. Yeah. All right. It's 503-733-2970. How old is she? Because she's kind of ageless because her skin's so stretched. Mm-hmm. Well, she's reached the point where she can't look any older. She's like, what is she, like 60-something? I don't know. She's at that Jessica Tandy point, though, where she just... Any further aging will be unnoticeable because she's already, like, Methuselah, uh, you know, age right now. So I can't wait to get home to beat the servants. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm trying to think of a Crypt Keeper election pun. I'm going to go scare up a few votes. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, still to come, Oregonian TV critic Peter Carlin uh, will have the new Guns N' Roses single, uh, the, the title track from this record that they claim is going to be coming up, uh, Chinese Democracy. Later on, Mr. Skin, Jim Roop. we got to do an exit poll. We'll do an exit poll this hour, this hour, this hour. I swear to holy Christ we're going to do it this hour. What else? Oh, what were we just talking about? I was talking about something during the break that I wanted to bring up, but now it's lost to me. Lost to me. Here's Tim Riley. Anybody care about the uh, stock market anywhere? I will tell you that the Dow was down 514 points. Well, that's at great. close. Yeah. Not, Richie? Wonderful. So this uh, latest Pew research poll shows 51% of likely voters plan to vote for Barack Obama, 39% for McCain, which leads us to still another Sarah Palin story. <laughs> okay. A new NBC News slash Wall Street Journal poll. So these are actually two groups at the opposite end of the spectrum to many. NBC News and Wall Street Journal commissioned this poll released that shows the number one concern about McCain was Palin's perceived lack of qualifications. 55% think she's unqualified to serve as president if the need arises, which is a troublesome number given McCain's age. 
Other polls reflect this perception problem for the McCain slash Palin camp as well. Pew, which released its latest poll, echoes many of the Wall Street Journal findings that voters' perceptions of Palin and their effect on McCain. They don't mention Palin specifically, growing doubts about McCain's judgment, age, and campaign conduct are what they're most concerned about. Uh, so I want to read this. We'll get Peter Carlin here in a moment, more of your phone calls. Um, we're gonna, when we're talking to Carlin, we're going to talk about this Mad Men timeline as well. Get some thoughts from him, because I am just so totally confused about when things are happening on that show and how long elapsed between certain periods of time. Uh, read this real quickly. And uh, I got my ballot yesterday, so we'll we'll go through that later on. Um, but this email says, I'm going through my voting guide right now. I just got to state treasurer, and the candidate for the Constitution Party, Michael Marsh, has the best picture I've ever seen. It's almost like Fred Phelps's mugshot as someone is giving him a cavity search. Honestly, is this the best picture they could use? Uh, and then he says, and, I'll, and, and then I'll post this picture later, but I, I have it here. You can go online and look for it. It's uh, Michael Marsh. I think it's probably online as well. The kicker, by the way, here's his qualifications. Occupation, maintenance. Occupational background, a variety of jobs. Educational background, some college. So, there you go. Some college? Some college. I don't know if that means if he's referring to a period of time or if he can't quite place where it was he went to school. Where were you educated? Some college. Some college. I, uh, I don't know. Um, but let me, I'll show these, this to you guys, and then I'll get it posted during the next break. So my apologies right. for Second. showing a picture on the radio. All right. Okay, so I want, Tim, Sarah, come over here. I'm going to show you a picture. And apparently, I don't think they're doing it as like a gag or a goof. I, I think he's an actual candidate. I mean, he's not going to win, clearly. But this is the actual candidate for the Constitution Party, Michael Marsh. Are you ready for his photo? Yeah. This is the photo in the voter's guide. This is the photo he chose to convey his first impression to the voting public. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to get that loaded on my uh, blog here in just a few. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's like quite a, something. It's like a secretary grabbed him in a scene spot. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it look, isn't it, doesn't it though? He does, look, he does look like he's being touched inappropriately. <laughs> what? I mean, it looks as though, the, you know, at the moment they were taking the photograph, the photographer like took his pants down or something. Tell me when you're ready. Oh my God, that's hilarious. I don't know why you would run this photo. Why would you even make that face? Just put a stick figure drawing of yourself. Jesus. <laughs> All right. So I'll post that here in a few. Let's welcome now to the Rick. One of the better one. Isn't that great? And it does look a lot like Fred Phelps, incidentally. All right. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Oregonian TV critic. I was doing that thing where you stick your fingers in the hole and kind of diddle around the the thing that hangs inside. And wordsmith Peter Carlin. What the hell is that? I don't know. It sounds a lot like... I was doing that thing where you stick your fingers in the hole and kind of diddle around oh, the, the oh, thing oh, that hangs the, inside. The can, the can thing. You're sticking your yeah, fingers the in the can? Peter. Is, the that can. What, is that what the kids are calling it now, the can? <laughs> oh... Wow. All right. I, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the even more awkward thing about this is that while we're talking, I'm simultaneously having my furnace inspected. Why is that awkward? Wait, is furnace code for something? <laughs> no, it yeah. isn't. But it sounds like it ought to be, doesn't it? In the spirit of the can uh -huh. conversation. They're gonna be uh, they're gonna be inspecting your uh, your tool shed next. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, no, I just had my furnace inspected. There's a great guy named Ed who really? comes by my house and does that because we were uh, – because we have an oil furnace, and I, I did that thing of, like, forgetting to check the oil level. And so the first cold snap hit, and I, I went – you know, I turned on, and I thought, you know what? I better go check and see if I've actually got any fuel to run this thing. Mm. And, I, and it's like a huge, massive, like, dipstick thing that you use. I mean, it's, it really is just basically a big stick 
with notches on the side. You can stick down into your thing and find out exactly how much oil is there. Um, and it was so low it didn't even register, which is a bad idea. I think that's bad because apparently if you run it below like 40 gallons or something, it sucks in sediment and then your furnace explodes and kills everybody you love. So I had to get that taken care of. But there was this horrible three-day period where it was just really freaking cold and yet I couldn't turn the heat on at all. Mm. Uh, so then the guy inspected it, and they brought me, uh, you know, much, much heating oil, and so now I'm, uh, I'm there just uh, snug as a bug in a rug. But those three days, are we talking like the weekend before last? Maybe I forget. It seemed really just in, inordinately cold outside, but maybe that That's was just when my oil furnace gave up its ghost. Yeah, because you know, and of course, I'm calling at the same time every other jackass in Portland suddenly realizes yeah. he might need to warm something. At this you, know, you know what I did? Mm. I just got rid of the oil furnace and got a new one. Really? Yeah. I was thinking about lying and saying that there was a sick infant in the house who needed to be kept warm. Mm. And I mean, you know, that uh, you know they they don't want they don't want to be responsible for anything that might happen. Yeah, it's always good for your karma when you lie and invent sick children to get in, cut in line ahead of other people. Yeah, I suppose. Hey, have you heard these uh, before we get on to uh, the actual TV stuff? Have you heard the, the great uh, McCain soundbites from today? Um, no, wait, is it the Pennsylvania one? Is Have you heard the full where he tries to dig himself out afterward? Yeah. yeah. It, goes on, it goes on for like 30 seconds. Oh, it's just like, God, I can't catch a break. Let's let's play that just one more time here. All right. In case I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most, most patriotic part of America. Great part of the country. You know, I keep expecting him to grope Betty Draper. Well, at some point, he's just got to say, you know what? That's it. Walk out. <laughs> Throw down the mic. I'm done. Brooklyn. And just walk off stage. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, and then on MSNBC today, John McCain inadvertently said the C word. Um, and we had to bleep. Even though we technically. Who Who is he referring to? Um. Well. I guess that depends on whether you're Dr. Freud or just, you know, me. Um, we had to bleep this, even though technically speaking, we could play it. We're not going to. We could play it uncut because... Was he, he, was he just addressing somebody um, as in, hey, you... He, he was trying to say the word cut. Oh, God. C-U-T. Um, and he got an extra uh, yeah. the consonant in there. So technically speaking, we could play it uncut, uh, but, uh, but we couldn't play it uncut. We instead had to play it un. There's a great joke I could make if I was on satellite radio. Mm. This isn't the uncut version. It's the un <laughs> version. All right. That's uh, poor guy. So, but, so this is uh, uh, John McCain earlier today talking about, I think, budget cuts. Rates were in the cut in the Bush years. One more time. And they, Rates were in the cut in the Bush years. And he doesn't kind of say it. He full on says that word. So there you go. Just uh, And are you, uh, and I take it that you've already picked up the... The uh, proximity to the when he mentions the president and and that yes yes okay. and uh, you know and this is just a glorious time to be alive Peter it, it really is well you know uh, except for that unless you're John McCain then you've got some issues but yes. uh, Matt Drudge though keeps pulling up these outline like these wacko outline poll outlier polls 
which will contradict like every other poll in existence and say that it's the race is actually tied. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, it, but there was that weird time where it, like it was tightening up for a couple of days, but I guess now it's I, I think Obama's running away with it again. So. Well, um, the guy on uh, if you go to 538.com, which is my personal uh, favorite political polling website. Um, they, they, have I told you about that site yet? Uh, I think so. They spell out the numbers. Oh, right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. like a, like a and poll. And it's the guy that does this whole sort of statistical analysis of everybody else's right. statistical analysis. Anyway, he said that what that seems to be turning into is what he called a dead cat bounce, <laughs> which you can figure out what that might mean. I really, no, I, I, I don't know what that, what is a dead cat bounce? Well, referring to the bounce that McCain might have had after the third debate, that's where that even if you drop you were to drop a dead cat from a great height and it landed, it would bounce. Oh, so like, okay. Continuing upward. All right. So, so in other words, bounces sometimes happen, but they're really not going to go anywhere. Right. Anybody sometimes can get a bump. It's a kind of anomaly. All right. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit of TV, because uh, I know you, you got uh, places to go and things to do and whatever. So first of all, last night's episode of The Shield... And I know that you're way ahead. Uh, because what happened in last night's episode? Yeah, see, and this is why you're saying it, because you're part of that media elite. Also, uh, I was, I'm, I'm a you're part of the well, East, so I was in bed quite early, but you're go ahead. one of those East Coast uh, academic intellectual types. So last night's episode of The Shield was, and again, people tune out if they don't want to hear spoilers, last night's episode of The Shield is where it is revealed through the in, uh, interrogation of that two-man guy that Shane tried to have Ronnie and Vic killed. And there is that moment. Well, you know what? I think you guys are officially ahead of me now because I don't remember that. Oh, well, there so you go. That was a spoiler. Rub it in his face. Hey, right? you know this what? never happened. You know, you got all the DVDs sent to you. I don't feel sorry for you at all. No, you shouldn't. They've been sitting around gathering dust because I haven't been able to get to them for a while. Well, and anyway, so there you go. Uh, so, but, it, you know, it all, well, I, I almost don't even want to continue now, but I will say this. Um, he tried to have Ronnie and... Uh... Shane tried at last, at the end of last week, he was talking to that two-man guy who he had, you know, he had a murder charge on him. And oh, you know what? You must be two two episodes ahead of me. Then I've really got a, I got my work. What cut kind out. of TV critic are you? Now you're not even caught up with pe- like everybody else. I'm a TV critic who's on leave trying to write a book. Well, whatever. Anyway, uh, I'll say that I've had problems with this season, and I, I feel like they could have tightened up this whole series by about 15 episodes or whatever. But it, it doesn't matter. After last night, all is forgiven because the first half of this season, leading up to last night. I will now forgive any amount of time that they spent leading up to last night's episode. And, look, since we're already hip-deep in spoilers, I'll just tell you. No, don't. Oh, come on, you bastard. Oh, well, okay. Do you want to hear or not? What are, what are you going to tell me about? How crucial is this? Let's switch channels. You know, Case Carl is coming back to the uh, – is going to play a show. You realize I'm talking about something that aired on television everywhere last night and something that you've had in your possession for like a month now. Oh, more than that, like two months, three months. So Nick Mackey quits at the end of the episode. <laughs> really? I wasn't going to say that until you threw in the... I've had it for two months. There you go. Vic Mackey, the end of the episode, quits. Quits, quits. Well, we'll see about that. All right, whatever. Uh, Boys. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's getting ugly, isn't well, it? Let's, well, let's move back then to Sunday. Have you seen something from Sunday, like Mad Men? Oh, yeah, totally. All right. Well, I can no longer take anything for granted. I, uh, You know, it, up is down and left is right in this new world, Peter Carlin. The scales have been torn from your eyes. Yes. Uh, so, Mad Men, we have just been going around and around trying to figure out the timeline of everything here. Uh-huh. First of all, do you think, based on what you saw, that Don Draper had either A, a platonic relationship with the real Don Draper's wife, B... A relationship that was probably romantic but of convenience. In other words, they were both getting something out of it, but they knew it wouldn't last forever. Or C, that they were romantically entangled, 
but that he had to break up with her because he met Betty? Um, I don't believe that they were romantically entangled. So you, you think it was just uh, he was there for appearance's sake and she was there basically, you know, he, he wanted, wanted his cover blown? Um, yeah, you know, I think that there was something very sweet and real about their uh, affection for one another that seemed to, unlike every uh, uh, other romantic relationship he's right. had. Right, So the, um, the uh, uh, and I think that that in some ways, that there was something about, that was transcendent about that platonic relationship. There was no sexual chemistry between them. It was just clearly, it was it was fraternal. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. They just loved each other. And so it, and it's, you know, there's that weird dynamic. He's got this very picture-perfect wife, you know, this, this knockout of a wife. Mm-hmm. And yet the women that he sees on the side are not, you know, they're not knockouts typically. Uh, but they are sort of strong and intelligent. Yeah. And yet you've got then this third dynamic with this, uh, you know, Don Draper's actual wife. So also Tim and I were discussing this. That scene when he is walking by the guys fixing the cars, mm-hmm. is that... In, is that a flashback, or is that in the current, you know, Mad Men, is that in the, the Mad Men present? I couldn't really figure that out, but in some ways it almost didn't matter, because the point of that scene was his immediate fixation uh, on and, and absolute um, sort of love for cars that have been rebuilt out of the parts of other cars. You think, is that a, is that a metaphor? Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, that was my guess. Dig? So yes. that was the whole meaning of that scene. I couldn't quite figure out. It was sort of weird. I kept having to ask myself, wait, is this like, because he would introduce himself as Dick. Right, right. You'd think like, well, wait a minute. Is this back before he really became, you know, I mean, really sort of took on the Don Draper thing? Or is this? And it's sort of bending your brain. And I guess they got one episode left. And then who knows if they're even going to resolve it, uh, you know, this season. Well, what's, what's. I mean, I don't know. Resolve what? Yeah, you know, I mean, just, there's so many unanswered questions. And I guess, uh, is it Weiner or Weiner? Weiner. Weiner. So I guess he's holding out. He, he's doing that uh, David Chase thing. He hasn't signed on for the third season, I guess. He's going to squeeze oh. as many as many dollars out of them as he can, and good for him. Um, boy, how awkward and horrifying was that sequence with Joan and uh, mm. that forcing himself on her that the fiancé did in, in the office. That was, just, that was so uncomfortable to watch. And I got to, I didn't see it coming at all. Caught me entirely by surprise. Yeah. Well, somebody who wrote into the uh, – we had a good back and forth about this on the uh, blog uh, the, the, earlier this week, and one guy wrote in who said, like, uh, it may mean that the fiancé is not that great a guy. And I was like, may mean. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> what with his raping and all. Yeah, the whole – I mean, you know. So it just seemed uh, – yeah, that, that seemed like he's maybe not that big a mensch. And there is a, there's a great dynamic happening where – the diverging of the road where Joan is very much sort of pre, for the pre-feminist era mm-hmm. and counting on her looks to get her by and figuring she got to land a man before her expiration date passes or whatever. And yet you've got Peggy, who is asserting herself and to some degree trying to work on the same playing field as all the guys in the office. So it's it's great to watch those two as a, as a microcosm of the evolution of, uh, you know, the woman's role in the workplace. Well, especially when now, I mean, and there was that moment in the last episode when Joan suddenly was appealing to, you know, trying to curry um, the approval of, of Peggy. Right, she right, was right. upon so severely. Right. Um, let's see what else. Well, I know, I know you got to run. you got, you got to do a bunch of stuff. Uh, but you, I also that you want to talk about the Hayes-Carl thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody should go to that show. It's at the, uh, the Doug Fur Lounge. I imagine there's still tickets. I, if it's sold out, I don't, I don't know about it. But he's going to come. That's the, uh, the world's best up-and-coming young uh, 
sort of uh, rootsy alt country uh, singer songwriter, and uh, and uh, he just won a big Americana award for Song of the Year for uh, She Left Me for Jesus, which is on his record. Trailer. That's the If I Ever See Jesus, I'm Going to Kick His Ass. That's song. the one. All right, excellent. Anyway, so it's uh, Thursday night, and uh, and uh, and everyone should go. Excellent. Thank you, Peter Carlin. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Yo. All right, there you go. Peter Carlin, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so rather than doing the Guns N' Roses thing, I'm going to, for once, stick to something I promised to do. We're going to do uh, 60 seconds of exit polling here, then we'll break. So it's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, so if you have voted in this year's presidential election, if you have filled out your ballot, and maybe you put it in, maybe you have it, uh, if you have voted in the election, uh, we want to know where you cast your ballot. And we will uh, cast no aspersions. We will uh, we will exhibit no snark. We will make no comment upon your vote. Uh, we're trying to get a uh, trying to get a feel for how the electorate is uh, is voting this year. So we are now going to do a little exit polling here on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. And I'll bring up the appropriate music here in just one moment. Let's. Uh, I think this call was pre uh, predates that though. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. Yes. Hey. Uh... I just have a question, a couple of them for you, Rick. Uh, yeah. Why, uh, why don't you ever slam Obama and Biden the way you do McCain and uh, and Sarah Palin? Well, we were slamming uh, Biden just about ten minutes ago. We were talking about they ought to lock that guy in a room and keep him away from microphones because he keeps shooting himself in the foot every time he speaks. Also, he's a plagiarist. Yes, he is. Thank you. I appreciate that. I have uh, just but to, to fully answer your question, so you don't think I'm blowing you off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is a, fundamentally a comedic uh, program, and so I didn't create the rules of comedy. I just follow them, and there's just really nothing funny about Barack Obama. I'm not saying he's not a not a huckster and a scam artist. Clearly, they all are. They're all politicians, but there's really nothing funny about him. Um, you know, uh, like a hot like a moose hunting milf uh, is just funnier than a guy named Joe. I mean, unless it's Joe Lieberman. That's just the rules of comedy, man. And a man, you friend. know, agreeing with slandering a bunch of Pennsylvanians instead yeah. of like. And the point is hilarious. Yeah, and McCain meaning to to you know, to commend people and then inadvertently insulting them. And then, by the way, and you know, I couldn't agree with him more. And then accidentally saying the c word. That's just funny, man. So you point out when Barack Obama does it, we'll be all over him like green on grass. You know what? Then, then uh, uh, I, I'm I'm just one guy from Southern Oregon, and I've called in and given you a bad time. Yes, sir. Twice now. Uh, but thank you. You you explained the rules that that your show is strictly comedic without any. Any real, uh... Really, anybody who tries to get any sort of real news or bases their opinions on this show, that's a, that's gonna be a long, hard road, friend. We don't know what we're talking that's, about. That's, that would, yeah, that would be truly, truly unfortunate if somebody based any of their beliefs on this program. Right between, like, the penis watch and the clown watch, you know? So true. You All know right. what, though? Is there nothing, uh, well, actually, there's not, but is there nothing funny about, uh, Obama's tie to Acorn and our good friend, Mr. Ayers? Well, uh, the Acorn yeah. thing is, the Acorn thing's kind of funny, because they were registering that guy named Mickey Mouse, uh, so that's kind of funny. The yeah. Ayers thing isn't, isn't really funny. I mean, you can't really, look, there's nothing really funny about a guy who was uh, plotting to blow up the U.S. Capitol and who actually helped plan the bombing of a police station. There's just nothing funny there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's no no comedy there. Uh, I will say the the, Dem the uh, Republicans have bungled that whole. They've done a really bad job of using that opportunity. I mean, that was a re really in a political sense that was an opportunity handed uh, to the GOP. Uh, you know, and they just have, they've really really screwed it up. They they could really could have used that effectively, and they didn't. And and you're absolutely right on that. And I would, but they didn't. You know what? It's a comedic show. I appreciate you uh, setting the record yes. straight. I probably won't call in a budget. Thank right. you. Thank you, sir. 
Yeah. See All you. right. There you go. God bless you. All right. Uh, we got Roop, I think, standing by, but we're going to do this first. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the Rick Emerson exit poll. And by the way, I almost feel like I should excerpt that call, which was very polite, very civil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and, was a great way. And that like, was a good call. Post it online because I, you know, I get that a lot. I want to listen to Air America, uh, which I guess while well, you can, uh, you know, listen to Air America. You know, just be, you know, funny is funny. Nothing I can do. The rules were here before I got here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Rick Emerson exit poll. If you have voted in this year's presidential election here in Oregon, we want to know. How you cast your vote will do 60 seconds now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson exit poll. How did you vote, sir or madam, as the case may be? Obama, if it's me. All right, thank you. Hi, Rick Emerson show exit poll. How did you vote? I've already contributed, but I wanted to talk to you about the shield. Uh, you can you have to call back, sir. I'll call back later. All right, thank you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, Rick Emerson exit poll. How did you vote in this year's presidential election here in Oregon if you have voted? Obama. All right, thank you, sir. 503-733-2970. Exit poll. How did you vote? I'm voting for turning up your radio. Yeah, for the Hello? Local. Hi. How did you vote, sir? Uh, Obama. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. Rick Emerson, exit poll. 503-733-2970. How did you vote? Okay. Thanks so much. Hi. Rick Emerson, exit poll. How did you vote? Obama. All right. Thank you. Hi. Rick Emerson, exit poll. How did you vote? How did you vote? Some, sometimes when you're asleep, I crawl up and I sit in your mouth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How did you vote? Okay. Three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How did you vote? Obama, of course. All right, thank you. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. How did you vote? Jim Roop, away! <laughs> okay. One more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show exit poll. How did you vote? McCain. All right, thank you, sir. All right, there you go. All right, we're going to try to do that a couple times a show, uh, and, uh, leading all the way up until election night, Tuesday, November 4th. Don't forget Rick Emerson's political party happening live Tuesday, November 4th, 7 p.m., Grand Central, along with Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. We'd vote him into power indefinitely if we could. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, how's life? How are things? Life's good. Um, so, I'm going to talk something, something about it that was in the news today, and it's something I meant to ask you about yesterday, and then I just went home and I realized I forgot all about it. First of all, so they so they let Britney walk. Uh, so she's out. She's done, right? No, they let Britney drive. <laughs> yeah, but they just uh, they finally just said, uh, screw that, you can go. And I guess the judge had already taken a lot of the criminal charges off the table, right? Yeah, it was just misdemeanor driving without a valid license. That's yeah, all it was. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then, oh, what, so yesterday, what is this business in L.A. where they're going to be doing drive-through voting? Well, uh, that's another part of the car culture here, man, the motor voter. Right. It's, uh, right. it's, it's a, supposed to be a convenience factor, and they're supposed to, it's, you know, people who can't get to the polls on time just drive up. It's all part of early voting. It's not going to be the night of the election. They're trying to get people, as many people as possible to vote as early as possible because there's 1.4 million people registered to vote, and they really think that many are going to turn out. So this is just a way to get the votes in early to ease the tension of voting night, I guess. It's weird because this is almost like, you know, like the the, the primaries keep getting pushed back every election cycle, and then 
You know, the, the, the tired cliche of how every year Christmas advertising starts earlier, Halloween advertising starts earlier. And it used to be, you know, you'd walk up and you'd vote on Election Day. Then Oregon started doing it by mail, and actually everything is by mail now. But now you've got, I mean, in Ohio, I think they started voting like last month or something. Yeah, it's just a way to get the lazy people off their ass and get into the polling, polling place. And I think, you know, if you're lazy, you shouldn't be allowed to vote. Well, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see, though, how early they can push these elections before one of the parties screams about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, what is this? So this is, it's still October. For the 2016 election. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, if Ohio was voting like three, four weeks ago, which I think actually would have made it still September, you got to wonder, like, what is the earliest you're going to be able to let? I mean, will you will the state start letting people vote as soon as the nominees are announced? Um, See, I've, I just found out today I'm going to have to vote early because I have to go to Phoenix to cover election night at the McCain headquarters. Really? So I have to figure out how I'm going to vote early. I don't want to go all the way down to the registrar's office. I hate that place down there. So I got to find some place that's going to let me cast my ballot early. If I have to drive through, I'll drive through. It's, I got to tell you, man, it's going to be interesting. So McCain, is this the nationwide McCain headquarters, or is this the, just the McCain headquarters? In this, is, this is where he'll be giving his speech, either acceptance or concession. Oh wow, boy, that's going to be that's going to be a. a, a yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That is going to be a, an emotional room either way. Yep. Uh, I can't even. I can't even imagine. We've been talking about this for the past few days, and and more. For for I was actually talking this morning, uh, to uh, for uh, an unrelated for another thing that I do, another project. I was talking to a psychologist about. I was I was asking. I said the. I said if America was a patient, in other words, if America walked into a psychiatrist's office and laid down, what would the diagnosis of this country be if we were like a person? And he was noted that we're just that we would be just a schizophrenic adolescent. Uh, with lots of money and guns and very, very low impulse control. And November 5th, there's going to be about 48% of the country that is really, really angry about something. Yeah. Um, whether it's the, you know, the McCain folks or the Obama folks. So in that campaign headquarters, just like in the Obama headquarters, it is either going to be just the most jubilant celebration, I mean, even beyond what it already uh, you know is in most of these elections, or just the most, I would say, just the darkest depression shot through just the most deep rage you could possibly imagine. Yeah, but I, th I think it's going to depend, too, on if it's a landslide either way. Right, right. The landslide, it's not going to be that emotional. If it's because it's going to end early, you know, but if it goes down to the wire and it's just, you know, if it's 48 to 47 percent or right. whatever, with uh, however many people not voting, um, uh, then it's going to be real. It's, people are going to be angry. Right. They're right. going to be blaming certain things for whatever reason. Right. Um, and that's when it's going to get funky. But uh, you know, it, it's going to really a lot of there are a lot of variables in this particular election. Um, you know, and I, I do think that it might be. This is just my read on it. This is uh, this is based by the way solely on my uh, watching John King and his magic map on CNN. <laughs> but it it does seem likely that there might be a landslide. I think they say that anything over. I don't know. There's some. They gave the number of electoral votes, and they said anything over like ten or whatever it is is a, is a landslide. But I think he might get it. If Obama wins, and it, right now he is favored to win in the electoral sense, I think it's going to be an electoral landslide. But I think that popular vote. I think it's going to popular vote is going to be really close. And I will tell you that because the left glommed on to Al Gore winning the popular vote in 2000, even if McCain doesn't win the popular vote, even if the popular vote is just close. 
they are immediately going to grab that and they're going to roll that out as, uh, you know, along with a lot of these voting irregularities they're already claiming are happening in Ohio or whatever. And it's, I mean, whoever goes in is just going to be underneath the cloud. I mean, it's going to be disputed from, from day one. So I'll be curious to know what the tone at McCain headquarters is either way when this happens. Well, see, I'll put my request in to talk to Senator McCain and Governor Palin on Monday because I know they're not going to want to talk to me on Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> so I, I, hopefully I'll get a couple of questions in to them uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, Monday, it, mainly in four years, uh, you know, for Sarah Palin. Is she going to come back? Right. And right, maybe at the right. top of the ticket. And for McCain, in four years, is he going to be around? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just simple as that. It is interesting that McCain doesn't use eight years ever. He always says four. Yeah. I have noticed that when he and you know and actually Sarah Palin talking about McCain says four years, which I don't know if that is a a little wink and a nod to the base that uh, you know is sort of a say a way of saying like look God forbid something happens you'll be in good hands we've thought about it already yeah. you know I'll be uh, I'll be curious to see how that unfolds so hey have you heard the uh, have, you, have you heard the McCain soundbite from today no okay and I, I'll play it at some point sir do we have it handy by chance. All right. I mean, there's, I, people listening, this is the last time we'll play it today because we played it like a thousand times. You can hear it later on in the news with Tim Riley. It's going to be on TV tonight. This is McCain speaking in western Pennsylvania. And he starts off just by using the wrong word, but then it becomes much more painful as he tries to dig himself out. <laughs> what he is trying to say here, because it was John Murtha, I think, who said that Pennsylvania was full of rednecks. And McCain is trying to say... I couldn't disagree with him more. That's what he means to say. I couldn't disagree with him more. Here's what comes out of just when you think it can't get worse, it does. Go ahead. In case I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about Western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree. With you, I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most, most patriotic part of America. And this is a great part of the country. That's <sighs> his Foster Brooks impersonation. Yeah, that's, there you go. Good reference. <laughs> uh, oh, and he also... Uh... He also accidentally said the C word on MSNBC today. Oh, you're kidding. I am not kidding. Um, he was trying to say, I believe, the word cut, C-U-T, <laughs> and instead we bleeped it, even though we didn't really have to. Here's what he said instead of saying cut. Rates were cut in the, cut in the bush years. <laughs> One more time. Rates were cut in, the, cut in the bush years. So. Well, based on that whole sentence, I can almost understand that. <laughs> you can see where you yeah. can see where he might confuse the two. All right, think about that in your darkest moments, Jim. That'll make you smile. Thank you, sir. All right, thank you, sir. There you go, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Okay, mere moments. We'll get Mr. Skin. Then uh, we will go into the break with the new Guns N' Roses single, Chinese Democracy. Uh, so we'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, then Guns N' Roses into the break. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yo. About the shield, and and I just I wanted to comment because I I don't have any friends that watch it, but I know you watch, so I wanted to. I do. How, how uncomfortable was the scene with Vic and Ronnie and Shane all watching Two Man as he starts to spill his guts? Oh, and that moment when Ronnie looks over and catches Shane drawing his finger across his throat. Throat, yeah. That, and I, that, oh. That's when you know you're like, oh, this is going to end so bad. This oh, is. Gosh, my, my, 
watch it with my wife, who's only about half watching it, and I stand up off the, off, on my feet off the couch, and she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you got all this energy. Um, That's what makes that show so great. I remember watching season five of The Shield when um, when Forrest Whitaker was on as, as John Cavanaugh. And yeah. that season, I mean, I said at the time, I think that season gave me heart palpitations. It was so oh. stressful. And this season's been a slow build. I, I haven't been a huge fan of the last few episodes. But last night, though, that moment when, when two-man just spilled, he just buckled yeah. like a belt. And then Shane, when, when Shane was just like, when he just bolted, when he ran, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, here, you know, this is it. And as Clint Eastwood said... Clint Eastwood, when talking about the movie Unforgiven, he talks about when the hookers, uh, you know, the, the whores get together and they hire Clint Eastwood to go find the guy that cut up the girl. And Clint Eastwood says, he goes, you know, this is a fate-driven story, and once that train starts, there's just no brakes to stop it. And that's where we are with The Shield right now. Oh, man, it's it's going to be crazy. I just I hope somebody takes care of Shane's wife because she's irritated me since day one. She, uh, she's a budget cut. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. It's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com. Uh, you have to get some coffee, Sarah? No, no, no. Oh, I thought you were indicating you no, had coffee. No, we haven't taken a break in two All hours. Right, we'll do this, and then we'll take a break. Uh, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Hello, sir. How are you today? Hey, Rick. How you doing? I am fantastic. Uh, living the dream, as they say. What's, uh, what's up in the world of nudity? Well, I, I know I've been talking a lot about True Blood lately, but uh, the HBO show's been outstanding. Uh, this vampire show, not only um, a week or so ago, had Anna Paquin, who plays Suki Stackhouse, uh, in her new debut, but last Sunday night, um, Lizzie Kaplan, who you might know from the TV show The Class, and... Uh, uh, she's been on a number of other shows, did her new debut. And uh, if you're looking for a TV show that's, number one, very good, number two, getting hot young babes to make their new debut, uh, debut True Blood is for you. And I uh, can't say enough about it on Sunday nights uh, before Entourage and uh, lots of good nudity there. Now, as far as theaters go, there's a movie opening this weekend called Pride and Glory. It's a cop flick starring Ed Norton and Colin Farrell. And there's nudity in it. A girl named Raquel Jordan shows butt and also her Raquel uh, at the 41-minute mark. So uh, good nakedness from Raquel uh, Jordan, this Colin Farrell, uh, Ed Norton, Coplet, Pride and Glory. Um, there's another movie called Synecdoche, New York, which opens in theaters this week. A girl named Robin Weigert and Emily Watson, a U.K. babe, uh, uh, both um, are topless in this uh some good nudity. That is in theaters this weekend. Um, I also wanted to mention, Rick, you know uh, uh, um, Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz uh, have a daughter. Her yes. name is Zoe Kravitz, and she's now an actress, and she has a movie that's new on DVD this week called Birds of America. And um, uh, believe it or not, their daughter actually has a nude scene, uh, a butt shot at the 47-minute mark. We I uh, haven't confirmed yet. Uh, there's a chance it's a body double, but also a pretty good chance. How it's old is Zoe? Uh, 20 years old, believe it or not. Well, that makes me feel old, because yeah. I remember when Lisa Bonet was getting nude in Angel Heart. Right, exactly. 1987, oh, a skin classic. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, their daughter has a nude scene in Birds of America, which is um, uh, it's a butt shot 47 minutes in. So uh, it's kind of cool when an actress who you've already become very familiar with 
has now has a daughter who's grown up and doing nude scenes. It'll be a good uh, for Mother's Day when I do my best mother-daughter nude scenes. I'll have to include this one. So. Well, the, the melons don't fall too far from the tree, sir. <laughs> All right. Perfect. All right, Mr. Skin, thank you so much, my friend. All right, see you. Right. All right, there you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Raquel. All right. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. I know we're way, way, way over time. So uh, let's play this Guns N' Roses song into the break. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just read you the little blurb on this. Dave Zinn gave this to me. Uh, it says, looks like it's finally happening. Guns N' Roses really is going to release their long-awaited album, Chinese Democracy. Today, Geffen Records officially announced Chinese Democracy will be available on November 23rd at Best Buy. But now we're hearing it's actually the 25th. 25th CD and vinyl. This is the first single from Guns N' Roses' Chinese Democracy. This is the title track, Chinese Democracy, from Guns N' Roses on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. 
white wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Bob Hope's wife was in the hospital. 99-year-old Dolores Hope was taken from her San Bernardino Valley home by an ambulance. Ambulance. She was rushed to St. Joseph's Hospital in Burbank. She may have suffered a stroke. Dolores is married to Bob Hope for 69 years. By the way, I would... I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that's all right. What'd you... No, no one yet on her condition. No I like that under <laughs> I would like to be the first one right now to queue up a "We've Lost Hope" headline. Oh come on! Rick. Come on, that's funny. Sort of. Uh, speaking of funny, you go to RickEmerson.com. I have posted this picture of Michael Marsh, uh, who apparently is a uh, candidate for state treasurer from the Constitution Party. So you don't really need to worry about him winning anything, but it is all worth it. Why would you do this? Why would you make this your photograph? <laughs> it might have been the best one. And it's obviously not as a gag, I don't think. I mean, the Constitution Party, I mean, they're never going to win it. They're lunatics, I think, but they're, but they're a real party, I believe. Yeah. Occupation, maintenance. Occupational background, a variety of jobs. <laughs> Educational background, some college. So I, I, I urge you in the strongest possible terms to go to rickemerson.com right now. Really, it's going to be worth your while. I don't care if you have to risk getting caught by the boss or whatever. It's safe for work. I'm just saying, you, you must see this photo. Go to rickemerson.com. Look at this photo of Treasury candidate uh, Michael Marsh. His actual photo from the voter's guide. Jesus. Um, we probably won't get to the ballot today, but that's okay. I got like two weeks. So, uh, Good, then I'll bring mine in tomorrow, too. Yeah, and we'll have the people tell us how to vote. Yeah. And again, it'll be like a microcosm of the Electoral College. I mean, I just know, I don't really know anything else of him in a person of the president, so no. I'll just fill it out, however. That, yeah. See, or that's what I'm saying right there. We'll just, uh, you know what it is? But this, is a, this is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So we are so actually, us. well, we're taking that to, to its logically extreme, though. I mean, we're taking that to its logical conclusion where the audience will, in fact, tell me how to vote. Except for this thing for sheriff, because I'm voting for Muhammad. I wish I had a button that said vote for Muhammad. Here's Tim Riley. Tony Braxton's uh, run on Dancing with the Stars is over. She says she's pleased with her accomplishments. My goal was reached. I wanted to do better. I wanted to breathe better, and I definitely was breathing better. I've come a long way from week one to week now. And your heart is doing better. My heart is much better, so my goal was definitely reached. Is this what counts for, uh, as progress in this stupid country of ours, that you're breathing better? Yes. Breathing isn't a skill. Do it or don't do it. Don't bother us with updates on your respiratory activities. Uh, hey, who wants to hear what might be one of the worst stories of the uh, month? Oh, I do. Mm. Sarah? Okay. It's majority rule. I don't have to read it. No, no. Let's read it. All right. Let's read it. Please it can't be it. any worse than the drain girl. Really? The drain girl. Wait, what is the drain girl? Remember the girl where the insides were sucked out by the oh. drain? Oh. I still yeah. can't even think about that one. And it's been a good day for news. Mm. Oh, wait. I was trying to cue myself on something. There. It's been a good day for news. Rates were in the cut in the bush years. Yeah. All right. So, uh, this is from, uh... Is Fort Pierce in Florida? Yes. It's from Fort Pierce, Florida. I'm reading the story, so I recuse myself oh, okay. from that competition. Yeah, that's why. That little, I don't uh, understand that. That little smartness there, that little lip. I don't understand that rule. It's just them so quick on the draw. Uh, I was only, I was just hoping you'd say yes so that I could then tell you I was going to punish you with the story. Uh, okay. I was trying to bait you into saying yes, it was, Mr. Man, so I could then say. 
A 27-year-old woman accused of shoplifting cologne and trying to touch an officer with a... Sounds like Mad Libs. I don't even know what you're going to say. It is from Florida. A 27-year-old woman accused of shop... Remember when we were doing that second worst story you've ever heard contest? I might bring that back for this one. I don't know. A 27-year-old woman accused of shoplifting cologne and trying to touch an officer with a... A what? What? Well-used... And bloody female sanitary napkin. Tuesday is facing charges, according to an arrest affidavit released Wednesday. Ermuth Amonfuls of some address. Ermuth Amonfuls. Okay. Ermuth Amonfuls? First name. E-R-M-I-T-H. Ermuth? Ermuth. Last name. E-M-O-N. Iman. F-I-L-S. Imanfuls. Ermuth Amonfuls. Like, I'm changing my mic. I seem to that right now, by the way. <laughs> um, was stopped after allegedly walking out of a Walgreens on Orange Avenue without paying for a $29.99 box of Elizabeth Arden Mediterranean Cologne. Amonfuls also had a bottle of bright green sinful colors nail polish and a package of extra long black fake eyelashes. She pulled what appeared to be a dollar bill from her overalls and tried handing it to the to, from her overalls. <laughs> Why are you buying eyelashes and cologne and nail polish if you're in overalls? Anyway, that's a little bit of uh, that's a little bit of uh, fix the house's foundation before you're buying yourself a weather vane. She pulled what appeared to be a dollar bill from her overalls and tried handing it to the officer, but he didn't take it. The woman began speaking strangely and trying to get close to me. Said the uh, the affidavit states, Imanfil said, "Quote, sex, sex," end quote, while walking toward an officer before she was handcuffed. As officers put her in a patrol car. Wait, hold on a second. I, I really have to do this one. I have to do this one properly here. Let me just. Uh, where did it go? Well, uh, we'll do this the way that it. We'll do this the way that it really needs to be done. Um, this is worth the wait. Let me just uh, pull that down. Then we'll. All right. As officers put her in her patrol car, she quote grabbed behind her. And pointed a well-used and bloody female sanitary napkin at two officers. Both officers told her to, quoting now, drop the well-used and bloody female sanitary napkin. But the suspect refused, the affidavit states. I delivered a firm, lawful command to the suspect to drop the object and told her it was gross. (laughs) Technical. A female officer eventually put the, quote, offensive and potentially dangerous biohazard item, end what? quote. That's like the female had to do it. In a plastic a bag. Emonfils, Ermuth Emonfils, faces three misdemeanor charges in connection with the incident. Again, the money quote here. She grabbed behind her and pointed a well-used and bloody female sanitary napkin at two officers. Officers told her to drop the well-used and bloody female sanitary napkin. They told her it was gross. Isn't well-used and bloody kind of redundant? I don't know. I don't uh, like. I'm kind of scared to know what like well-used means. Then. Maybe that means properly, as opposed to poorly used. Like if she'd had it on her head. Let's all visualize that now. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. 
I don't want to think about that now. Oh, come on. Just once. Hey, here's a picture of her. There you go. Oh, my gosh. All right. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> it's a picture of her. Maybe she's running for a big treasurer. <laughs> Uh, Pat Boone says he belongs in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The veteran singer says he was involved in the creation of rock music. Not involved in the creation. Actually, he's a mocker. Uh, he did cover tunes of R&B hits originally recorded by black artists. He also notes he had a hand in R&B music. Boone explains, quote, I have to become popular to a far wider audience that weren't all that sure that they wanted the so-called race music in their homes. So-called race music. Mm-hmm. Yes. However, he admits he likely won't fit into other Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. He says, quote, uh, the folks have all heard had uh, nervous breakdowns and drug busts, but not me. <laughs> By the way, here's the, if for no other reason, Pat Boone de- deserves to be excluded from the Rock and Roll Hall of, although really, go to backpat.com, back, backpat.org, rather. I mean, not that there's really any, any, I mean, I mean, there's really no respect due to that organization at this point. Anyway, I mean, they really just—they're so utterly and completely without any kind of relevance. But if for no other reason, Cleveland. I mean, if for no other reason, he needs to be excluded because when he was doing "Ain't That a Shame," the Fats Domino number, mm-hmm. he did in fact sing it as "Isn't That a Shame." So you can get bent. All right. By the way, don't forget you can see the photograph of uh, Michael Marsh running for state treasurer <laughs> at RickEmerson.com. Here's Tim Riley. Connecticut police arrested a Michigan man who claimed to be on his way to meet pop singer Beyonce when he nearly crashed into a police car. The man drove off before he was caught by police and was spotted again driving recklessly. They found a teddy bear and flowers in Robert Williams' car. Said it was meant for the pop superstar. Recently tied the knot to rapper Jay the Z. After being stopped, uh, Williams asked the police officer for directions to Detroit in Connecticut. Before taking off, driving over grassy area, sidewalking the curve, he was quickly pulled over and arrested. He told police he was meeting Beyonce at the George Washington Bridge in New York. Really? Yes, really. Okay. And one more. Who remembers the legendary rock and roll group? Aerosmith. I do. They're getting ready to go back to work. According to Billboard.com, the band has finally prepared to reunite and put the finishing touches on their latest album. This has been a difficult year for the Aerosmiths. Guitarist Joe Perry had reconstructed surgery in his knee, while the frontman Steven Tyler entered a rehab facility in California to recover from a leg injury. Now, good for them. Rehab for a leg injury? Well, I think it... Well, they said... They they never really specified at the time what it was. Everybody sort of figured he was, uh, I don't know, falling off the wagon or whatever. So, I mean, he hadn't really said. Uh, and he's one of those guys. Steven Tyler is tricky, though, with, because he's one of those recovering junkies mm-hmm. that talks about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. I prefer Steven Tyler uh, alive and preachy than, than dead. Uh, I will take a live Steven Tyler over a dead one. I want to be very clear about that. But he's one of those guys, God bless him, can't shut up about being sober. He just There's nothing worse than a reformed junkie that just has to go on and on and freaking on about it. Yes. And they just sort of lecture everybody. I saw the, the Steven Tyler, and I, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan. I really am. But I, I saw, am, too. I snuck in in, in uh, junior high school. I forgot about in that. In Nashua, New Hampshire, to see them for like a buck and a half. Wait, so was that even, did they even have an album out? They had that their same first album out, but it was under a small New England label. So that is So that was the self-titled debut, but before... That is then before Dream On became a nationwide hit and, well, and Columbia re-released right. it. It was a regional hit before that. Tim Riley, you are so cool. I envy you. I'm not you, that cool. That you really are. You saw Aerosmith when Dream On was just a regional hit in New England. Mm-hmm. And this is in Boston, you said? No, Nashua. Nashua. They came to Nashua? Sure, they played at a junior high school dance. What was the, popu- what was the population of Nashua? 39,000. 
Aerosmith played a junior high dance? Yeah. Was this where you saw them? Yes. You saw Aerosmith play a junior high dance? Yes. Oh, i got to kill myself. My life will never be that cool. Really? Yes. I'm trying to think if I have anything, anything remotely approaching that. Sarah, anything. Any band that you saw way back when that is now massive. No, but I saw Bob Dylan front, front row center once. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that when. When I was in high school. Um, How'd you swing that? I got tickets to, uh, for my graduation present, my, my parents bought me tickets to the, the Bob Dylan show at the Gorge. Right. And they were just up in the in the grass and stuff. And um, I was super excited, and he was like a little speck. He was playing with Van Morrison and uh, Joni Mitchell. And so we went down to the porta-potties, and there was, you know, this guy standing out in front of the gate with all the seated areas. So Bob started talking to him, and he's just like, hey, there are a couple extra seats in here. He's like, I could totally get you guys in. So he brings us to the 50th row, and I'm Aww. like, this is the greatest day of my life. Right. And he's like, no, 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 you're not sitting here. He's like, come with me. Puts us front and center, could see the stitching on Bob Dylan's pants. Aww. And Joni Mitchell and Van Morrison all came out, and they were all singing together right in front of us. It's not right. Well, we have no control over, A, our parents, and, B, where we're brought up. No, that's true. I'm just saying it is, uh, I, just, I don't know. I wonder if that time is sort of gone forever, because I wonder if, because music is now spread across so many different formats and niches, and there are no longer a handful of record companies and radio stations that control everything, I think the era of the superstar on the Aerosmith level is probably gone. I don't know that we'll ever see, you know, a big crop of superstars that are that famous. So by definition, you won't really in the future be able to say, oh, hey, I saw da 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 superstar band when they were tiny, because you probably won't have a lot of superstar bands. So I'm just saying, I really, that After is fantastic. After gone, there'll be no more. You know, that is, uh, that's a wonderful thing, Tim Riley. Good for I you. Thank you. I feel good about the day. All right, don't call about this today. Tomorrow, high concept. I think we're going to do people you saw before they were famous. We might do that tomorrow. Bands you saw before they were famous. All right. Uh, as we get ready to break, let me just repeat. She grabbed behind her and pointed a well-used and bloody female sanitary napkin at two officers. Your phone calls after this. Case, I think you may have noticed that Senator Obama's supporters have been saying some pretty nasty things about Western Pennsylvania lately. And you know, I couldn't agree with them more. I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't agree with you more than the fact that Western Pennsylvania is the most patriotic, most God-loving, most most patriotic part of America. And this is a great part of the country. This country, this is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners. Uh, it's a glorious time to it be alive. It is. It is. That's wonderful. Oh, by the way, it, b before we've even beaten these to death, Somebody now just, we just got sent another thing where McCain said the C word. Lisa Wood sent me another one. He was trying to say credit crunch. <laughs> uh, and he very clearly says something else. Hi, your other Rick Everson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's uh, up? Michael Marsh is a completely 100% serious candidate. Well, that's what makes that photo of him so hilarious. Well, but he is crazy. And I say this as my personal statement, constitutionally protected, which yes. he, as a constitutional candidate, would support. Yes. But uh, he's down here in Salem, and he's constantly on the uh, public access doing, like, these little interviews, but he just rambles in circles. Talks about eliminating the uh, Department of Human Services, uh, eliminating the DMV, oh, eliminating the uh, state education, or, I mean, like, all schools. You know, all guys like that, are you know, you should appreciate them. They're there to amuse us. Well, I get stuck watching yeah. him for, like, hours. Excellent. On, you know, and my wife's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, he's just so crazy, I can't turn it off. All right. Thank you, sir. 
right, All right, real quickly, one more. Hi, last call of the day. What's up? Yeah, hey, a quick soundbite idea. Mix uh, that McCain quote you just played with something from uh, Groundhog Day where he's like, tiny little town in western Pennsylvania, thousands of people freezing their butts off. Hey, there you go. I'm on it. Thank you, sir. We've got to do some kind of montage thing. Totally. All right, there you go. We want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents, Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, and James Roop, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, Peter Carlin. Join us tomorrow when our guests include Dorothy Casaseri from the National Enquirer. Like us next, Michael Maris Show at 7. Thank you all for listening. Be safe and uh, welcome to Snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Rates were c- in the cut in the bush years.